I'm ready. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Tom and Terry podcast. Uh, today, we're going to be watching Magnolia. And if you're following along at home, we're 10 seconds in and you should have just seen the New Line Cinema logo. And we're going to start the movie. Hooray. All right. So I'm here today with <laughs> my good friend, Andrew, and we're watching Magnolia. Hey, everyone. And Oh, somebody just got hung. <laughs> Someone did just get hung. Um, so in terms of a Tom and Terry podcast, this is a pretty weird movie to choose. Very much so. Not that Tom Cruise of a movie. <laughs> in fact, he's... He's barely in it, but he's in it. He, well, it's actually, it's one of his most... Critically acclaimed, I feel like, for yeah, Tom This is Cruise. the last time he was ever nominated for an Academy yeah. Award was for this movie. Because his performance is just so over the top in this movie. So it's like we're essentially watching a three-hour movie to get maybe 20 minutes of Tom Cruise. Yeah, I, I would say it's the bare minimum for a supporting <laughs> actor. But it's like, really, the movie is like right now we're just seeing all these like happenstance, chance events that that's what the whole movie's about. So you're going to get a lot of weird random occurrences, and that's what this whole movie is. It's three hours of weird shit happening at random. So um, I was, like, researching this movie uh, beforehand, and I was ta- like, it's Paul F. Tompkins. Or, no, that's uh, Patton Oswalt. But Patton Paul Oswald. F. Tompkins he's in is... Too, yeah. Paul F. Tom- he? No, he's in the future ones. He's in, like, There Will Be Blood. Paul F. Tompkins has a really long bit about the fact that he was, how he was cut out of this movie, and his voice is just in this movie. Oh. Oh, is that true? Yeah, he's, a, he's like one Philip of the... Seymour Kaufman. Philip Seymour Hoffman calls him on the phone. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That makes perfect sense, actually. So, um, but oh, that's weird. That's Paul F. Tompkins. No shit. Well, then he got his he got payback because he was in There Will Be Blood. Yeah. <laughs> well, he talks about that too, where the ba- his back is in There Will Be Blood. I thought he had like a part in There Will Be Blood. Well, it's, like, it's just like he's barely in it. But, uh. anyways, so this movie was um, right after Boogie Nights. Yeah, uh, and they literally, like, I was researching how he got to make this movie, which only cost $30 million, by the way, which is not that much. Seems like a lot of money for this movie. There's not that much that happens <laughs> and in this literally movie that should it's cost $30 million. It's literally three hours of people talking. It's just talking, yeah. There's no real CGI. <laughs> like, I mean, that's that's crazy that this cost $30 million. <laughs> $30 million. In 1999, this movie should have not cost $30 million. Oh, oh that uh, guy just blew his brains out. Um, But... Wow, this movie's really got a lot of like shock moments. Like so, this is all about the like we're 40, 45 seconds yeah. in someone already blew their head off. Yeah. Um but so this movie was uh this is a movie I think this is kind of a defining movie of an era which was pre nine eleven. Yep. Two pre nine eleven post Reservoir Dogs, where movie studio like uh, like this was came out around the same time as like say a movie like Fight Club, oh, like yeah. The Matrix, yeah. like all of these like oh re- before two thousand, all of these like really weird movies that sh- this is fucking crazy by the yeah. way. This the, this the, the way that they redo this particular narrative is crazy. All, uh, by the way, this is not a thing that actually ha- none of these things actually no. happen. They're no, all no, urban no, no, legends, no. but this is a, something. That is, um, they talk about in uh, law classes all the time for causality. This that, particular instance? That, that oh, instance, really? They talk about it for causality. Interesting. I mean, I guess it makes sense because it is like yeah. really squishy, like yeah. gray area of yeah. the law. Because, um, like, yeah, I can imagine this happening very easily. Just was, old they, married couples screaming at each other with a shotgun. And then it goes off. <laughs> oh! 
When I first watched this, I thought it was Martin Scorsese doing this narration. Incorrect. Ricky J. Yeah, Ricky Jay, he's a magician in real life. Magician, magician in real life that P.T. Anderson fucking loves. He loves. He's in like all of his movies. Like he's not in this, all of them. He's, he's in, in this one. Movie, oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. He's um, in Boogie Nights too. He's like yeah. the fucking cinematographer of all the pornos in Boogie Nights. So I, think, I think this movie like has to exist in the same like it is Boogie. It's like an extension of Boogie Nights, but it's like the extension of P.T. Anderson doing Boogie Nights without the porno. Like it's like right. he wanted to. Right, recapture the magic of Boogie Nights without yeah, without the people gi- fucking, without the gimmick, yeah, without, without the, the gimmick. porno gimmick. Yeah. So like this movie, so it came out in this really weird time where um where major studios were like essentially this is like essentially like an indie movie. This would be considered. Yeah. Well, but, New Line was like an indie. It was, that was like an indie production house back like in the day. Not really. Like it would like this is like a major motion picture studio, the major yeah, motion picture really? studio All movie. Right. Yeah. All right. But it's like, but it like, if there was, a, this was like from that weird time where it's like, even like The Matrix was a, it's like, should have been a right indie movie. Oh man, there's literally like a telestrator, like it's a football yeah. game right now. This is so fucking weird. So there's super, like, so like there was this really weird time and this came out in 2000. No, 1999. Yeah, like, no. This was pre-2000. This movie was 100%. Like it probably came out like late 1999. It was late 99, Like it was nominated yeah, for yeah, the yeah. 2000 yeah, like, exa- Academy 2000 Awards. Yeah, like 2000 Academy Awards, which February so and like and it was like around the time of Fight Club and stuff where it was like these really weird movies that studios like Paul like the thing was it was like they they were it was like the seventies again where there was like a Martin Scorsese and Francis Ford Coppola where studios were giving these people carte blanche. Paul Thomas Anderson got final cut on this movie. Oh, yeah, he got final cut. He they they gave him all the budget he needed. Uh, without even not only not seeing a script, without even getting pitched an idea. Oh, Amy Mann coming in right here. Yeah. Well, the thing is too, because like his first movie was renamed after he made it. Because yeah. he made Hard Eight. It was became Hard Eight. It was Sydney, and it, it was, was wildly about recut. The old man who's Philip Baker Hall, who's in this movie. Yeah. He's the like quiz host who's coming on later. And but like he was the star of the first one and like the studio completely changed it from what it was. Yeah. And then once he made Boogie Nights and he everyone got was like, back oh, to be the you, auteur, they got you, to do whatever yeah. he wanted. They literally they Oh, oh here we go. First, first time, our first, first time scene in scenery. Is... Oh my god. In twenty sixteen, this character is just the epitome of everything that the internet generation, the modern generation. Men's the right activist. He's a misandrist. He's a misandrist. It's very weird and it's very funny because it, it, well, and it's also, it has hints of Scientology as well. Right. Yeah, because it's the whole, like, basically the, like, infomercial for during, what he believes. Yeah, like, during the 90s, like, Scientology it's would advertise. It's the cult of personality. It's the w- cult of, like, the person driving something. Um, God damn, is this movie fan? If it and like, I, I also completely forgot about this lady who was in uh, what's her name, Melora Mal- Walters. Mal- yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. She's like a coke fiend who was also kind of a coke fiend who loved fucking random people in Boogie Nights. Yes, she basically reprises that character in this movie, but has like so much more depth yeah. in this movie than she did in Boogie Nights. Jimmy Gator, what a weird name! Exactly, that's Tom Jane. That yeah, was a, Tom that was Jane, a small Mister uh, guy that brings them to uh, Alfred Molina's random house in uh, Boogie Nights, where the fucking fireworks are going off. Yeah, most 
to me, for me, that was like so. The, this is this the is symbolic the, scene of is, a PT. So this movie. is the first montage of like the interconnected people, right? Yeah, this is where we start to build the like layers upon layers of mm. character interconnection. So the fun thing about this is he, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, started um, started uh, conceptualizing this movie when he was cutting Boogie Nights, and he initially, I have this guy's buck, and he's. Loves to fuck. That's the dad. The dad of this is the dad of this Stan, Stanley the Whiz Kid was the guy from Boogie Nights. Uh, not Boogie Nights. I'm sorry. From Kill Bill, who uh, rapes Uma Thurman while she's unconscious. That is a thousand percent incorrect. No, that's that, that's that the is guy. Not him. That's Buck who loves to fuck. That that's is him. Not no, one hundred percent. That's him. He takes advantage of Uma Thurman while she's unconscious in Kill Bill Volume One. All right, I think that's wrong. Look it up. It's a hundred percent right. That's the guy. The dad um, of Stanley, not actual little Stanley, yeah. who's a Wizkid. Um, but Wizkid Donnie Smith right here, by the way. Yeah, so... There he is. There Quizkid. Wizkid, not Wizkid. Sorry. Oh. God, what a movie this is. I'm like, I'm already enthralled by this movie. <laughs> <We're> like, <laughs> so... Like, I'm just... Like, I'm waiting William for H. so Macy, many things. William H. Macy, uh, he always really got the, like blackest of black sheep characters in the pt anderson universe he's just like he's little bill little bill watched his wife get fucked by like a million like <laughs> studs in boogie nights and then blew his fucking brains out right when it became 1980 sorry spoilers for people that have never seen boogie nights before <laughs> watching this movie but william h macy's character kills himself by the way but by like watching his <laughs> wife get fucked got, for like got, the million times, he's got the great line of my wife's got a my wife's got her dick, dick in her ass. No, no, my <laughs> wife's got her dick in some guy's ass. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then there's like the classic Hollywood actor that's like the old like terminal guy, like who, Jason Robards, right? Jason Jason Robards is, and he in fact this is his last film role. Yeah, and he dies. He dies like during the movie. Not during the movie, but like right yeah. after the movie or something. Um, he, I, I'll, I'll bring it. I'll bring it up when it comes All up. Right. But he has, he has oh. a monologue. Oh, his monologue in this movie is brutal. And it, uh, like, and like, I think about it a lot with Ugh. our current YOLO culture, where it's like kind of the no regrets culture that we live with. Oh, well, his mo- his monologue is the opposite, and it's that. like the exact opposite, <laughs> where it's like an old yeah. man. Oh, oh it still gets me. I it watched this like, not that long ago, and I was like really bummed out it's by his monologue. Insanely profound, um, but man, this movie is. I'd like, I like. It's crazy I'm how probably, star it's studded. Literally, this movie it's is. literally going to be three hours of us talking about how fucking great this movie because it is like so. Like that's what I was talking about. Where it was like. So this was way before. So John C. Riley is currently on screen getting his little introduction. John C. Riley was like a nobody when this movie came out. Like this movie was way before well, John C. Riley became famous. Well, it's like is he even famous now? Like I think he's, he's famous more, for he's being almost, like a comedic sidekick now. Yeah, he's like, like almost funnier now. But and it was like, but this movie was like a perfect character for John. I love it, and I love the fact like, that Paul Thomas Anderson is like John C. Riley. I love that guy. He because he's he like he's the best. Funny. But he's also like funny. Sad. He's funny. Sad. He's like the sad clown. He's yeah. really the sad clown in this movie. Oh man, I tell you sure. what, he is the sad clown in this one. <laughs> so much. Oh god. Oh, when he's I, the, I, when yeah. he's in the rain looking for that guy. Oh, I know. And then when he tells his like coked up would be girlfriend about how he like had a bad day, it's like super depressing. Yeah. No. It, this uh, movie. I mean. Uh, like especially nowadays when cops are so like maligned I love, I in our culture, that, I love that we're like, John C. Riley is like the cop 
for like the common cop. He's the everyman. What the 90s cop was before cops became like the villain like they are today. I love that we're like literally 10 minutes into a three hour long movie and we're already talking about how great it is. And there's maybe been five lines of dialogue. Nothing has really happened. It's really just an Amy Mann singing (laughs) one is the loneliest number. It's literally just been a really long montage. Amy Mann, by the way, like I really don't understand, but P.T. Anderson seems to love her and made her like the star of this movie's like soundtrack 100%. And I'll be honest, she made her the star she is today for sure like this was a def- she was nominated for an academy award for this movie no shit really yeah i didn't even know that yeah uh it was, uh he got he got one the for song th- that the original song that she sings like towards the end that yeah, they all uh, sing wise like, up i think yeah yeah, 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 the yeah, one yeah that they yeah. all kind of sing yeah they all sing together thing, like, yeah. and like uh, well that song is pretty good uh, to be but to be honest though that movie that line would have never been nominated for academy award if it was not for her singing it it's essentially like there's essentially just a music video for yeah that song and in this movie, movie. yeah the yeah. movie is that yeah, yeah definitely and like it would never it like it, it, the strong the song doesn't have the chops on its own to, well he also has didn't the guy the guy that like produced one of kanye's albums did the composing for this right john bryan yeah, yeah. john bryan yeah he did he, he did pretty much all of his movies <laughs> for also, like up until like the recent ones like up until like uh i feel like johnny green would replaced him for yes, there will yeah, be blood yeah but basically oh this this stuff gets fucking crazy so we're diving right into the white black uh police p- citizen confrontation <laughs> right here like this is like hardcore just if the nypd acted like john c Riley did the world would be a much safer place let's be honest here <laughs> oh. let's be honest he handles this the way a cop should handle it he's very level-headed this woman has been in so many things, and I have no idea really? what her name uh, is. But never, it's, it's very all funny. I associate her with is, is this movie. No, I've seen. I feel like she was like in Seinfeld too. But so, anyways, what I was talking about originally with this, and like, I think this is movie is a defining movie of that era of where it was like where like studios were making. We're before nine eleven. I think nine eleven honestly changed it, but I don't know. Uh, but it was like they were making weird movies. Like The Matrix is objectively a really weird movie. Boogie Nights is a, objectively a really weird movie. Yeah. Fucking Fight Club is objectively oh, a yeah. very weird movie. But there's and th- those are like those are the cream well, of the crop. Fight Club just doesn't fit. The only way that Fight Club doesn't fit is that it was source material. The source material was the novel was out. Like I mean Chuck Palahniuk wrote the novel like before the movie. But I even mean, it was a weird like this, book. This, it was a weird book. Yeah. No, yeah, I agree. Boogie Nights and The Matrix and also, were like complete also, standalones. Like the, also the fight, directors also came fight, up with those It's things. not like Fight Club was a New York Times bestseller. No, 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 no. no. It, it he was, was like a cult writer back yeah, then. Yeah, it was. It was yeah. we, like they they decided like a studio decided to make yeah. a to take a cult book and put money behind it to it like like with like CGI and shit. But like, anyways, so like I think this is like the definitive <laughs> work of that era. Oh. I mean, this whole exchange, the like the weird dread as a viewer that you feel of like, what is he going to come across? Like, what is about to happen here? Really doesn't even match the rest of the movie, which is hilarious. <laughs> like this scene is completely the opposite of what mostly happens right. in this movie. Yeah, like he's like doing a like true cop procedural like right action right here, going into a room. Where there was a weird noise and this lady's like screaming at him. Like nothing else in this movie even comes close to this. It's just like this weird. <laughs> this is, this is, this is most, like the weird cop the most, element this is, of this, this movie. Is the most thrilling thing. Yeah, to have yeah. In this whole... And it's like it's ten minutes in. 
But uh, I was like reading where Paul Thomas Anderson was talking about this movie, where he was talking about where he wanted to make a movie, and like he really does this, where it's like we're saying like this is the most objectively thrilling thing that happens in the movie. But he wanted to make a movie that was like it was making thing the the everyday interesting, where it's like something. She's literally pulling the couch that she's handcuffed to into the doorway so she can watch John C. Riley. And I think this and and like and like he he said he was inspired by like um a day in the life by the Beatles. Oh yeah. Well this this seems much like that song. I mean it's got the same vibe. Where it what you know, it's Oh where it's like it's it's, it's, kick that blanket out of the way. It's 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 turning the everyday it's turning the everyday into high drama. Oh yeah, definitely. This this movie fully accomplishes that. And that's what he set out to do, and I think he did, and I (sighs) think in terms (laughs) I love that he calls her Marcy. (laughs) That ain't mine. mine. (laughs) That's just a body in my like fucking closet. Now he's now he's on a first name basis with Marcy. I really do believe, by the way, that Julianne Moore's character in this is the perfect. I'll like, be honest, I can't. I cannot believe she could, did not get nominated. Encaps- for she encapsulates the like Cal- the so- the Californian like rich waspy woman like so well in this movie. It's incredible. Ugh, like there's so many. Like it's so feeling. It feels so true to life. Especially like currently, I've been watching this O.J. Simpson People versus O.J. Simpson FX show. Right. Like she feels actually, like a person. There's, there's so many things that we need to talk about in terms of what's happening currently in relation to this I know. movie. This, but, but like her character feels like she would have fit in with the crowd that hung out with like oh, Faye Resnick, a thousand, like a Brown yeah, Simpson. A thousand percent, yeah. The, the Chris Jenner, like all those yeah. people. Like this is exactly 90s, a replica 90s, of that person. 90s rich Like Hollywood. a rich white waspy woman from fucking SoCal. And so it's great because she so well makes you um, hate her, like hate that person. But you also feel bad for but her. Then it's like, but then also <laughs> like you're like you – like she's so good. Like and honestly – She's so, such a good actor where she simultaneously like this is gonna makes be, you hate her. This is going to be a weird statement, but this was like when Julian Moore was at her hottest too. I'll say it. Like she's so hot in this I'll movie to right me. Now. She's still hot. Like, she's, like she is still, still super hot, but like this 1999 Julian Moore, oh. such a babe. Oh, she's Like beautiful. she's not wearing a bra this whole movie probably. probably. I'm sorry for saying this out loud, but like you can kind of see her tits like this whole movie yeah. and she's like super duper hot in this movie and like well, super unhinged like on the border of unhinged like 99 percent of this well movie. also what you're what you're what you're alluding to is the fact it's not just her physical it's terrible i'm sorry it, for no, saying no, this like i sound say, like a fucking horrible person no it's not because you're not you're what you're you you you're also referring to the fact that it's like she's got such acting chops that you find that sexy Oh yeah, without a doubt, right? Oh, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Like I mean, if she was a shitty actor, no. Like, oh, well, yeah, you just see it as like, well, this is like a stereotypical like Californian like rich person who's acting crazy, who's like a coke addict, the maniac, whatever. Yeah. Oh god, I can't wait for the pharmacy scene. Even like when she just is like, I'm not gonna say it. She's gonna <laughs> say it soon, but like she goes into a confessional mode where she just talks about oh. like, all of her misdeeds, and it's just like, oh god. So like, so so this movie is kind of just like I think it's like the magnum opus of Paul Thomas Anderson's career. Obviously, I think it's just his most like, uh, but I think it's a un, ma- like it's his biggest like unchecked, just like unadulterated his Californian life. Like this is the biggest snapshot. Like of New Line Cinema California. was like, we will give you. 
Final Cut will do whatever you want. We don't even need to hear the idea. It's just like... Sight unseen. Like, that's how much we like it. You want to make a movie about all the kind of crazy circumstance shit that could happen in California? Like, <laughs> just, uh, just while capturing, yeah. like, every different he, physical and emotional realm you could reach? And it's Go one, for it. And it's one of those things, because, like, I've heard him talk about it, and, what like, his idea of what he wanted for this movie is, I think it's a very f- complete realization of a creative idea where he was like, I want to make a... I want to make a valley epic, like a San, oh, Fern- yeah. is, a San yeah. Fernando Valley yeah. epic, and it's like if they're like it's crazy. If you if you would, nobody else could ever make it. <laughs> that term, if you looked it up in the dictionary, there would be like see also Magnolia. That, I don't know what else has been like this. Like, like this is the like, most in term, one. If you're talking about like 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 this is an, like a Scorsese idea. movie on steroids and like set in a completely opposite part of the country. Like that's right. what it is. Yeah, it is like like. It, I think it is in that level of a Martin Scorsese thing where it's like yeah. Martin Scorsese has like like he refined and like he's like I think his magnum opus is personally like um, Goodfellas. It's a fair one. And like I would say that is like the magnum opus and then like that is like the definitive term for modern gangster movie. Oh yeah. Oh it is. That's set the standard. There's there every yeah. gangster type personification since Goodfellas yeah. has been a copy of Goodfellas pretty yeah. much. So like so like it, like I was like that's like a definition term. Like if you looked it up gang like modern gangster movie in the dictionary it would say see also mm-hmm. Goodfellas. So like Jason Robards, he was like a huge He was literally like, dying. Every but he was also like a huge like 1950s 1960s actor right like yes. he was like yeah he was a big actor big time like he was like a classic actor <laughs> he was yeah he was a big one like uh, like i'm sure like he like his imdb list yeah. is like a thousand like up movies. there with yeah. like peter o'toole and sure. like all those kind of actors yeah. it's sick that his last movie was this movie where he's playing himself dying he's basically playing like that's a crazy dying. like layers upon yeah. layers types thing and he's, ta- and he's talking about the he's talking about the horribly real I just want to point out before I, be before honest, we go be into honest, this there's movie, going, there's going to be ten minutes of silence when he does his monologue uh, because I'll probably be uh, crying uh, my eyes out. Fetal position, <laughs> no, and honestly, like Philip Seymour Hoffman too. By the way, like he was one of the best actors of the modern era, and so, it's just like such a bummer that he's dead now. Like I will say it now because it's like it's only going to be reinforced <laughs> as this movie goes on. It's such on that. a no, fucking bummer. It's like, a bummer. He, he was is, so good. You know what really bums me out. And like we can totally talk about Philip Seymour Hoffman right now. What really bumps me out is the one time he made a comedic film. Twister. Although he was fucking awesome in Twister. No, he was. He played the sidekick in that. Oh, the Ben's uh, yeah. the the here, along, along came Polly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, sorry, the, yeah. He was. Where he plays basketball and he's fucking yeah. hilarious. He was. Oh, man, he was easily. The funniest thing in yeah. the entire film. And He's it, the only watchable thing in that movie. Yeah, yeah, and it was like, and like, it really bums me out that like, be, since he died, like we're not gonna see him get to ex- just do weird expand shit, expand himself, no, yeah. and get weird. Yeah, like I would love, sucks. Him, I would love him for how like in his fifties to have like a ten year phase where he was doing like, like comedies or something even because it was like he, like he was like so fucking good yeah. in like a shitty comedy where it was like a shitty role and it was like he fucking like, like he literally took a softball he, never, he took a softball and he didn't knock it out of yeah. the park like he, he like he elevated a movie 
he was never half-assing. Like he was always yeah. like, <laughs> like that's the thing. It yeah. was like he was in a shitty comedy. He knew that how to he do it. Should have half-assed it, yeah. but he like nah. literally like. Because even in Twister, he plays like a fucking over-the-top like and he was tornado chaser. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like he doesn't bu- he doesn't bullshit. There's ne- there's never a movie he's made where he's not one of the most memorable yeah. things. That, like, dude, oh my god, he stands out in everything. Yeah, dude, him and Magnolia are him like oh. Him in Boogie Nights when he uh, finally sees Dirk Diggler's dick. He's just he's the, the he's, he's the perfect the camera. Actor. He doesn't even say anything, but he, he just, just holds, drops the jaw. The jaw goes and down. Like, and just he stares at it. And like, and it's like literally like you. Oh, the rugs! The rugs in this scene in Magnolia, by the way, are fu- <laughs> like the 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 decoration of this fucking bedroom right now in Magnolia. Oh, it's beautiful, top notch. Like whoever did the set design for this deserves a fucking God Oscar on their own. This is even, glorious. Even nominated, I probably know. not. I, really I honestly not. probably not. But like that is a glorious Oriental rug. Like multiple Oriental rugs in the room. And like awesome setup there, guys. Wait, so now I'm kind of I'm kind of lost on the plot of this movie. So like he's like I need to talk he's, to my son. Yeah, like uh, Frank T J Mackey is who we're being introduced to. So this yeah. is really the this is the pinnacle of Tom Cruise in this movie. This particular scene, this is the peak Tom Cruise moment in Magnolia. This is why he got nominated for best supporting actor for this movie. <laughs> Without a doubt, it's so weird, and it's like, this is the most aggressively anti women scene in a like artistically re- respected movie that I can remember seeing in the, like, recent time. Other than, like, Laws, Lars von Trier, like, where he's, like, having women, like, <laughs> yeah, nymphomaniac <laughs> antichrist <laughs> status. Like, this is the other most, like, offensively... But we're making fun of it. We're... we're like, it's like a, it's a parody, but it's still just so over the top. Like, what he's about to say is fucking crazy. But you know what the thing is? Uh, wait, wait, wait. We got to listen to it. We got to listen to the first, the first line that Frank T.J. Mackey delivers. It's going to be so good. Seducing. It's going to be so good. It's going to be so good. Seducing. Oh, my God. He said respect the cock. And then close up. Super close up. Oh, man, what a fucking movie this is. Oh, this is like Tony Robbins on like the worst steroids you could so, get. So honestly, like we're watching a three hour movie, but the, ostensibly the reason why we're here right is now is the scene. It, no, it's for <laughs> it's for Tom Cruise and it's for his performance. And this is this is widely accepted as his. This is like the perfect combination of Tom Cruise's like real personality and like the craziest things you can make. It's him so do. weird and it's so perfect. Like even the fucking hair is perfect. Oh right? yeah. It's oh the like mullet. So, the, like the, the pulled back mullet. Yeah. Like is the so weird, sick. Like, the weird like proto man bun yeah. that he's running. Yeah. He has the pre man bun man bun right here. This is like the precursor. Yeah. But to me, this is like Tony Robbins taken to the worst possible extreme. <laughs> like this is like the self help like bastardized to just make it about fucking women. Only. Well, the thing was, this is this is all based on reality. This is based on oh, yeah. like, weird pickup artist stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, all yeah. based on reality. Well, we all and love Paul, the movie Hitch. Everybody loves Hitch. Yeah, and like, but Paul, this is like Hitch to the extreme. Like Paul Thomas Anderson found it like so appalling that he like he made this character. And then th- here's the thing. Um, <laughs> oh God. So. <laughs> So so here's the other thing where I'm talking about like present day. So a week ago, there was a very monumental oh, Oscar here. given. Here comes his interviewer. Oh, this lady's great too. Yeah, this I is want- the perfect character to be the the foil to yeah. Frank T J. Mack. Oh, by the perfect. way, she's like ideal. Uh, so there was a very monumental Oscar given to uh, Mark Rylance. 
<laughs> yes, Mark Rylance. <laughs> um, so Leonardo DiCaprio got oh. an Oscar. He's not. He doesn't strike me as like as much of an asshole as uh, Frank T.J. Mackey, though. He's just bone. Well, no, no, I'm saying like in terms of um, so like uh, you know it's been a thing on the internet for something years, and everyone's like basically like when's Leo going to get an Oscar? You saying and Tom I'm, Cruise is next? When, no, I'm saying when is Tom Cruise going to get a Tom Cruise? Tom Cruise was in critically acclaimed films when yeah. like he was young. Leonardo DiCaprio he was, was in like, diapers. In diapers. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Born on the Fourth of July. Like all that stuff. He back was in the on, day? Yeah, like born on the Fourth of July was like. 1980s early like right 80s or maybe 1990 i think it was like no he he got nominated two years in a row so it was um born on fourth of july and then Jer- no actually no tom hanks was nominated two years in a row <laughs> i know he won two years in a row tom oh. hanks tom hanks won for philadelphia and then the next year he won for uh forrest gump oh yeah well you know what forrest gump was a goddamn catastrophe that movie should not have won as many things as it fucking yeah, well did. you know hey man but hey you know pulp fiction came out in the same year it was one of the best fucking movies ever made and that didn't win shit so funny dude oh man <sighs> dude uh quentin, you know what quentin tarantino quentin except, probably uh, relates to this movie because this movie is like right up quentin tarantino's alley because it's fucking california I would, say, I would say and like here's the thing uh this movie would never would have been made if it wasn't for quentin tarantino. no absolutely 100 percent Quentin Tarantino in the '90s made it possible for this it made movie it possible to get made. for movie. Absolutely, it made it po- like well, the Reservoir whole, Dogs was like 1993. The, the, the whole late, the whole 1994? late 90s. '97 was Pulp Fiction. No, not, Pulp Fiction was like 1994. Was it that early? Yeah, I think Reservoir. Oh yeah, you're right. Because yeah. Reservoir Dogs was, was like, like really early '90s. Yeah, yeah Jesus. Um, but any, the point is, like, Jackie like Brown everyone's like, like everyone, Jackie Brown was like '97. Yeah, Ugh, like everyone man. was talking about like, oh, when's when's Leo going to get the Oscar? When's Tom? fucking crew's gonna get the oscar honestly he just because i'll tell you right now i think it's like really weird that people have decided he's not a good actor i don't think he's a bad actor i just think he's he's in fact a really good actor i just think that the problem with him is that he chooses roles that don't really lend themselves to him getting an oscar exactly but if he chose more movies like this he would be a shoe in eventually like it would take him a couple years but he would win an oscar so what happened how he got this movie was he and then so this was this was well dur- he had gone through like a dry spell right like he was like kind of this out was, of this was during his very this was during his very weird where he was trying like I honestly think he was trying to get a fucking Oscar because yeah. he got pitched this movie while he was on the set of Eyes Wide Shut oh yeah oh god yeah so like I think he was going through a thing where he's like I'm gonna make a fucking Stanley Kubrick movie by the way Stanley Kubrick never won an Oscar so no I don't know <laughs> it might have been a bad call also crazy that he never won an Oscar but yeah. that's another that's another commentary for another day but like so i think like tom cruise was going through a thing where he was like i'm gonna get a fucking oscar and they snubbed him and he was like dude i'm done but like he got he got like he f- absolutely loved boogie nights and he invited uh paul thomas anderson to the set of eyes wide shut and paul thomas anderson pitched him this and tom cruise was like yes yeah which, which, honestly, this which movie and Eyes Wide for, Shut which makes says a sense lot combined for yeah. his character. For his, at this point, it makes yeah. sense. Which says a lot for him as a person, by the way. Because yeah. this is a very weird choice for him. Well, him and Nicole Kidman got, like, they, I mean, that was their They like, got divorced almost hurrah. immediately after yeah. this. Um, I can't even, I, it's still hard for me to believe that him and Nicole Kidman were in Eyes Wide Shut together. Like, it's weird to think about that. The rumor is when they're fucking in the movie, they're actually Yeah, fucking. I would not be surprised at all if they were. 
The leather vest look is so I intense. mean, the whole look, it's like everything is perfect. And like, we I, have a friend that could really easily pull this look off, too. You mean Jesse Yeah, McLaren, Jesse McLaren. Yeah. He should do it. He wanted, he should have done it for Halloween like this year. <laughs> like, you're, honestly, he has the perfect. A thousand percent correct. He has the perfect look for it. Oh, this is a, such a bummer. Like, the, the coked out, like, daughter of the quiz show host famous guy. She's 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 up there with the most depressing characters in this movie, yeah. quite honestly. Because especially when you find out the backstory as to why she's so fucked up, it's like so depressing. What's the backstory? You gotta watch the movie, bro. Well, just tell me. She gets fucking diddled by her dad. Her oh, dad him? fucking molested her. Um. Philip Baker Hall, this dude who loves butter in his ass and fucking that's the in yeah. in Boogie Nights, his character is a whole thing is. He sees the future of porno. It's going to be on cassette because he loves fucking getting butter stuck up his ass somehow, which is such a crazy thing in Boogie Nights that flies under the radar. You know what's crazy is Boogie Nights. Boogie, Paul Thomas Boogie, Anderson. Boogie Nights is another film that has a last. Uh, it was the last appearance of an actor. The guy who uh, like rapes underage girls. Oh, the Colonel. Yeah. Really? That was no his, shit. That was his last one. I didn't realize that was his last movie. Yeah. He's, a, he's an odious character in that movie, too. He's yeah. horrible. Dude, his, he always loves his, having the his, young, coked-out people in here. His, his last shot on celluloid is like a fucking... Like, oh, God. It's like a big hood dude in a jail cell, like, beating him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's him getting his that, ass kicked. And that's, oh, that's, fuck. That's literally the, that. his last moment on celluloid. And I feel like if you're an actor... That's kind of how you got to go out. P.T. Anderson treated Philip Baker Hall so well, though. Like, he made him the star of Heart Aid. He's not dead, I think. No, he's still around. He's still around. No, 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 he is. But still, he's the star of Heart Aid, which is P.T. Anderson's first movie ever. Like, first movie that got him on the the map. He's the star of, and he's just like an old, like... Like like fucking it's Atlantic crazy City that, hard tough guy. It's kind of crazy that that movie is a very forgotten film. It's a great movie, and also it says something about because uh, Paul Thomas Anderson reuses actors all oh, the yeah. time. He loves them. How he loves did, the same people? So he never reused Samuel L. Jackson after Jackie Brown. No, yeah. Well, no, Paul Thomas Anderson. I'm saying never. Oh, re- I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. After Hardy, and wasn't yeah, it yeah. wasn't Gwyneth Paltrow in that too? Yeah, she was. Yeah, and never used either of them. No. So I think that might say something about those yeah. two as actors. Yeah. I mean, Samuel L. Jackson, like you kind of know what you're going to get. Here's a very interesting fact about Samuel L. Jackson. I think that's the thing with P.T. Anderson though is that he loves the over. He loves the like extreme. I acting. think they were. I think they were like they're too like big of too, stars. Yeah, and they're too like they're too level. Like they're going to be. They're not going to overdo it. Right. Like, he loves the like people that will go for it and will fucking lay it all out there. <laughs> like in this movie, like there's so many people that just scream at the camera in this movie. It's amazing. That's why this movie's so good. It's because Melora Walters is losing her fucking She's mind right crazy now. The She's screaming movie. at this movie the whole time. Tom Cruise flips out about dogs in this movie, like to an insane degree. Doesn't he like feign punch at the? Uh, the I will <laughs> dropkick those fucking dogs. Like, there's so many scenes like that. Um, William H Macy, same deal. He's always oh, fucking losing his mind. I mean, it's it's the drama of modern life. Yeah, and I think that P.T. Anderson really values it in his actors, where like the people that are willing to go to the like full extreme in his movies are the ones that he keeps bringing back. I mean, it's the thing. It's like the the, the parallel to a day in the life where it's like I mean, the, this movie. This movie is literally this movie is literally about the dra- it's it's turning modern life into the highest drama you can find. 
and like all these flawed people like trying to get through like yeah. the hardest parts of their lives while some crazy uncontrollable event occurs in the background pretty much that's what right. this whole movie is I honestly one thing I'm going to bring up that I've never really figured out is why the movie is called Magnolia and why Magnolia is like the trope for the whole movie because like, the most I, of the movie takes place on Magnolia Boulevard in Los Angeles okay, so there you go so I don't know enough about Los Angeles I've never been to Los Angeles in my life I'm a New York born and bred person that has never been to Cal- Southern California specifically I've been to San Diego but I've never been to Los Angeles so, so I mean I don't I, know what the fuck I'm talking about I mean I don't know like we I don't know Melina by the way uh, following up an amazing guest performance in Boogie Nights with pretty much the same character, but like toned down slightly in Magnolia, yelling oh, at. I totally forgot that he's the, he's the, so the guy fucking in good Boogie in Boogie Nights. Nights. Like his appearance in Boogie Nights is like unparalleled for like crazy, unpredictable, frightening. I mean, it's okay we can talk about Boogie Nights, but man, Boogie Nights is well. Firstly, I always forget how this movie fucking, just to me is too connected to Boogie Nights to not talk about Boogie Nights. How fucking, it is an extenuation of how extenuation fucking of Boogie Nights. funny Boogie Nights is as a movie. It's amazing. It's the only movie I think that Mark Wahlberg actually makes sense in, other than like <laughs> Ted. Like Ted, he makes sure. sense in, and then Boogie Nights, he makes sense in. Uh, like he, otherwise, as an actor, he's a complete fucking lost cause. But in those two movies, three nah, movies, he's good, he's good in other guys too. But it ultimately, like, it's like Boogie Nights is the only serious movie that Mark Wahlberg actually sure. makes sense in. But it was also, and it was so funny. So, um, so Paul Thomas Anderson was talking about uh, this. This movie also came out along with Boogie Nights came out in the time of DVDs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That this was the a, biggest thing. That was a game changer. For DVD era movie. So uh, it's so funny. We're making a commentary, uh, commentary meant for pod- DVD, really a commentary for DVD. podcast. Did you ever listen to DVDs? One hundred percent listen to DVD commentary of Boogie Nights and other Paul Thomas Anderson movies. Probably this one if it existed. Yes, I went through a phase when I was in like late high school, early college, not unsexed, unreally like <laughs> having much of a social life. It was like amazing to me to listen to somebody that made a movie talk about like the I, details like, of their movie. I was so into commentaries where it would be like it would be like even like a weird random movie that I got I rented from It was like the only I would, way I would, I would I would listen to if a movie if I got a DVD and like it had a commentary so sick if it then. had a commentary yeah. I would listen to the commentary The thing was like back then you really appreciated the bonus features of like deleted scenes and like commentaries yeah, like, and all that delete, shit Deleted scenes I think were diminishing returns but commentaries like I always found those wildly interesting I feel like I just completely like fell off on them like but when when I went well, through they this don't, phase they don't really exist Anymore. They don't make people don't well, make them no, anymore. I guess they do on Blu-ray, but like, who even buys Blu-rays anymore? Yeah, I have not. I, that's the thing is, like, I have a blu I have a PlayStation Four, so I have a Blu-ray player, but I don't ever buy Blu-rays anymore. Yeah, I think I think Blu-rays are like now. It's like Blu-rays and kind of those like high cachet things are relegated to the era of like old people. Now they're like laser discs. Yeah, now, yeah you it's, know, like, it's like it's like your old person who still wants to have the yeah. fucking. So I wonder. Thing. I wonder. I wonder if like directors and stuff even still do commentary. I feel like they probably do. In the it, age of DVD, man, it was like you, oh yeah. I because I listened to every single one, and it was like the funniest. Uh, I like the ones that were like Kevin Smith movies too, where they had like the jokey ones. Like it was like funny. Yeah, like they were just like they were like Mall Rats was yeah. like Ben Affleck and Kevin they would, Smith. They would have and, alternate like, commentary. It was fucking hilarious. Even Paul Thomas Anderson, like listening to Paul Thomas, Paul Thomas Anderson was probably the first like 
auteur director that I listened to like explain. I remember like, on the book why he, he did c- what he, he did, sm- and he smoked cigs. Yeah, during. he was like a cool dude. Like he was a cool guy explaining yeah. like why he made his movie the way he made it, and it's sure. like fucking amazing. It's fantastic. Why did I get started talking on commentaries? What were we talking about? Because there's like there's a very specific thing he said that I wanted to bring up. Uh, that's a good question. I don't know the answer to. Oh no! So he was he was talking uh, like talking about how Boogie Nights was like I was saying it's really funny. It's like a really funny movie. Oh yeah, definitely. And so he was talking about like so he was saying like on the commentary for Boogie Nights he talks about this where he was talking about like. How he would play it for test audiences, and he was like, "Oh man!" Like for like the first hour, like the crowd was like rolling in the aisles about like all like the funny stuff. And he was like, and then he was like, and then the moment (laughs) William H Macy blows blows his his brains out (laughs) on the fucking New Year's Eve on the nineteen seventy nine, and he was just like, and he was like, and then it was just dead silence, and and then he goes. And that's how I know I made a good movie. Yeah, that's how you know. That's how you know you hit the right striking <laughs> balance. Like jokes on you. Everything. Super hilarious and super depressing. Like, and he was like, yeah, because it's like, it's like everyone thought that they were in a comedy and then a guy blows his head off. So this kid's whole little rap is supposed to be like a precursor of what's to come in the movie, right? That's the idea here. Taking so much offense to a little kid cursing. <laughs> he does so good at like a just like a regular guy. The cop. folksy, the folksy cop, yeah. God, the, like, yeah, it was like there was like so many movies made around this time that like studios made like. Like even the like like they met like uh they let like Spike Lee make like like remember Clockers? Oh yeah. That's a Richard Price novel. That's a great fucking novel. But it's R- like a Richard really Price. weird movie. Yeah, I mean it is. But it's also it like the during... quintessential like modern New York like crime fiction type story back in the day. But it's just like it's like there was like the studios that they got Wasn't like... Julianne Moore in that movie too? She probably was. I no, was. I think she was. I think you're talking about 25th Hour. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that sounds right. 25th Hour, which was like the first post 9-11 movie. Richard Price, is. Uh, he wrote Clockers. He wrote, I think he wrote like a whole season of The Wire. Are you Wire. talking about Basketball Diaries, Richard Price? Uh, no. Richard Price wrote, did he write Basketball Diaries? I don't think so. He wrote Lush Life. He wrote Clockers. He wrote like, uh... At least a C- he wrote a bunch of episodes of The Wire. I don't think he wrote like uh, more than that. No, the guy and I'm thinking of different, the guy who wrote uh, Basketball Diaries is dead. He's the guy that did those are the people that died. The song. No, he didn't write Basketball Diaries. Yeah, he wrote um, Clockers. He wrote Ransom. He wrote the screenplay for Ransom. My first <laughs> already yeah, the first already movie I ever saw in theaters was Ransom. Really, mine's um, Unforgiven. Nice. That's a good one. Like a classic that was like nominated for like Academy yeah, Awards. It won a lot of That's them. That's a too. sick one. Yeah, yeah. He wrote, yeah, he wrote uh, Ransom Shaft. He wrote the screenplay for Shaft, the Samuel L. Jackson Shaft movie. Apparently, he wrote Freedom Freedomland. That was like one of his novels too. I think actually that was another flop. Was that the one about fracking? Was that about fracking? I don't know. I'm looking at IMDb. That was Julian. That's the one I'm thinking of. That was Julian Moore and Samuel L. Jackson that Richard Price wrote. Freedomland. That's that's what I was thinking of. Sorry for diverting from there. But he's a great, he's a great writer. He wrote uh, some of the best 
modern like New York City fiction things sure. that have ever been written. But this movie is the complete so, opposite of that because it's set completely across the country and yeah. completely not. Well, actually, we should, we we could talk about the that uh, I love the I love the little things they give you. Yeah, the little the little weather yeah. forecast. Yeah, the, the, yeah. It's, it's, it's like a little it's teaser a little for forca- what's to come. Forecasting. It's a little teaser for 100% what's to come. Chance of frowns. Oh yeah. Oh. Ugh, I so remember dumb. the first time I saw this movie, I turned it off and I missed the frogs. Did you really? Yeah, because it's like three hours long. It's yeah, hard to make it like through the fucking frogs. I was like 12 years old or whatever. Yeah, spoiler alert, people. There's going to be frogs falling from the fucking sky at some point. Oh, Felicity Huffman. So both William H. Macy and his wife were in this movie. Yeah, so that's, sure. I forgot yeah. about that. Um, so it's actually interesting. That is Buck who loves to fuck. That's I mean, who cares? 100% the guy from Kill Bill. I'm just we're, pointing it out. We're gonna spend three hours talking about whether I'll or not talk that's about that guy because he's the he's the dad of fucking Stanley, little Stanley, the um, kid, new whiz kid, not whiz kid, not quiz kid, Donnie Smith, but the new version. So I'd like to talk about. It. So it's like so. I presented this idea. P.D. Anderson, that. by the way, also loves the continuous shot, the not cutting, sure. not edited, continuous just shot, just roll through the same fucking space unstoppably. Absolutely, and it's it's Scorsese. It's Scorsese one one, but it's fucking awesome. It's great, um, but so I want to talk. So I want to talk about you personally and your. So I, this isn't even like necessarily a podcast. I'll call like what I'm doing a project. Where oh like, boy! All right. Yeah. So it's like I kind of like like this is more of a project, and this is honestly like all of these like things I make right now. It's like it's honestly just for me as an old man. Like I can't wait to like. When I'm an old man to watch Magnolia again and listen to me and you talk about oh, yeah. Magnolia, like yeah, it's all a completely personal thing. But so I was like, dude, I'm doing this thing where I'm doing uh, alternate commentaries on Tom Cruise movies, and you're just like, cut you off, Magnolia. <laughs> like you were like Magnolia without a doubt, 100. percent yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, why are you doing Magnolia? And you were like, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. It is 100. percent P.T. Anderson is one of my favorite. He's probably. My second favorite director of all time to Martin Scorsese. And this is, I feel like, the most Martin Scorsese-like P.T. Anderson movie that he made. Like, Boogie Nights and this are the two ones that are the most like his movies. I would say Boogie Nights. Yeah, that that one is. But this is like a continuation of Boogie Nights, but it's like even more self-indulgent than Boogie Nights was. Like, Boogie Nights had a much tighter story than this does. It doesn't even have a tight story. I don't think Martin Scorsese never necessarily ever gets very self-indulgent. Uh, to me, he does. Okay. Yeah, yeah I think he does. So, Have you watched Vinyl? Vinyl is like extraordinarily <laughs> self indulgent for Martin Scorsese. Yeah. It's uh, like everything, like it's every nostalgia. Like he buys into the nostalgia the same way that P.T. Anderson buys into the nostalgia for like quiz shows and like just like Southern California culture back in the day. So for that's, this movie. What, that's what I wanted to, uh, you bring that up. That's what I wanted to talk about, which I find very interesting because I would say one of the most defining traits about you is you are extremely new york you are very east coast you are very new york i will never live in another city like for the majority of my life you are born and bred and i will die here and you're you're, i want (laughs) to die here i like would be disappointed to die in any other place but like not not only like you are you are from the borough that is the the most new york where it's like it's it's the most authentic new york where it's because it's like like you're the one that's the one borough that's not We're the affected. shittiest one well, I'm from the shittiest one it's the one that's not affected by gentrification where it's oh, like oh yeah no like nobody's everyone, moving there like where it's like when people romanticize New York they ain't talking about Staten Island no, they're for not. goddamn sure it's like no. it's like the Bronx and Staten Island are these two yeah. boroughs the that, like, two that get left out of all the fun yeah. yeah so like you're that's where you're from you're from Staten Island oh yeah 
I'm not going to be ashamed of that ever. But at the same time, like I recognize that like nobody associates that with like the heart of New York. But at but, the same time, yeah, I would really say matter. I would say like in terms of everyone I know, I would say you're a real New Yorker. You're like I'm fucking like I am New York. I'm from fucking Staten Island. I yeah. love the Yankees. Yeah, I do. Like, yes, that all is that true. shit. Like you're like the most <laughs> New York bro I've ever known. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very interesting that one of I your, love a California your, movie to the your core. Favorite movies yeah. is like not he's one of the most California oh, yeah. guys, yeah. and it, this is easily one of the most California movies that's ever been made. But for me, it's like it just. Have you ever even been to California? I've been to San Diego. Yeah, yeah, yeah. San Diego does not even like. Have uh, you ever yeah. been to not, LA? No, I've never been to LA. No, 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 no. But I think the thing is, like, it strikes. So me. do you, do you like it? Do you like the otherness of it? Like it's uh, it's yes. so far removed from. But what I you. also feel like it feels like. It could happen in New York. Like it feels like a New York type story. Just really to me, it feels like the people fit into what I. You think, you think these are like almost universal themes? Yeah, that was going yeah, on. yeah, yeah. That's why I like it so much because it seems like I, I think the things that he picks up on are like semi celebrity, semi so you think authoritarian like, figures. It's like so you think like. Kind of the the wall dressing and stuff are very LA, but you think yes. the heart of the story yes. is could be anywhere, and it, it makes sense as a general kind of vibe. Like as a vibe, it feels like it could take place in any city in the country, pretty much. Yeah, I just think that, and I also just think that his style reminds me of other things that I like. I mean, and the bit. thing is, his style, his style apes, especially in this movie, his style apes Louis Guzman very quick cameo. <laughs> Um, He's his, been in like almost every PG Anderson yeah. movie. <laughs> his, it, I mean, his style apes one of the most quintessential New York directors of all time. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like it feels like one of those movies. So it's not that big of a stretch for me to like this and like, like you know, Mean Streets and like all those other sure. fucking movies. But I also like all the actors. I just in general, like it all fits into like kind of the but you are you are aware of the irony that like it is weird it's weird no i get it yeah yeah it is not a new york movie at all but at the same time like i feel like uh new york and la are not that much different like they're not that many there's not that they're so different they're different but they're like for america they're two of the biggest cities in like the two biggest states sure i mean like in turn like in terms of like um like they have different outlooks on things they have different in general, yeah, like, honestly, not even like I, I totally agree with you in the sense that it's like in terms of the grand national scale. Yeah, New York and LA are basically the same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a bunch of rich white liberals living there, right? Who, who all vote and there's for also Democrat. a bunch of poor, not white people that live there that who live vote in... for Democrats too. Exactly. Oh God, it's like the. Oh. So this is. I mean, I. I already brought up politics, but we should bring up like this movie was the end of the great liberal era, the last great liberal era of yeah. the United States. Well, I mean, Clinton got reelected during this movie's like life shelf life. Well, no, he was they like George Bush was campaigning during this movie. No, 2000 Clinton won. Oh, no, you're right. Yeah. I'm an idiot. Yeah, I got my years wrong. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, George Bush did did win right around this the is time this movie insa- came out. This is insane oh, God, for the biggest... Oh, God, that's such a sad part of our history. This is insane for the biggest movie. Oh, God. Tom there. Cruise is in his underwear currently, by the way. And he's, like, really close talking to a, like... Oh, my God. 
This is like such a scene out of a like Scientology interview that would happen. So it's really weird, and it's like that's the thing that's very interesting. This is a hundred percent. So I finally saw the master, by the way. Oh my god! And it's a very incisive takedown of a very disturbing movie to watch when you know what Scientology is like. Like if you watch the Alex Gibney movie about Scientology before you watch the master. It's like depressing to watch the master. It's a very <sighs> incisive takedown Ooh. of Scientology and brutal. And but so it's like so. My question to you is like, do you think? Um, yeah, PT Anderson was influenced, was repulsed to by Scientology. Was he? But was it from working with Tom Cruise? I don't think it was from working with Tom Cruise. I think it was from being in California his whole life and career and seeing well, Scientology I mean, rise. I mean, it's very weird that it's like... Like, isn't he bros with Fiona Apple, too? Like, Fiona Apple and all that. It's like the whole California scene. I mean, Beck is, Beck is Scientologist as well. Uh, but it's like... The it's, whole it's, scene is just it, it so... It seems very weird that uh, Paul oh. Thomas Anderson made the most incisive movie about... Like, I think he's the perfect person to do it. He, and he also made a movie... St- that basically well, like hypes up like a Scientologist like preacher. Well, well, he made a movie with the figurehead yeah, of yeah, Scientology. Yeah. But people love to believe the myth that like Tom Cruise and John Travolta are like puppets for Scientology, and they like they barely really believe it, and they're like being controlled by like the hierarchy and like all that right. stuff. But so, ultimately, like to me, Paul Thomas Anderson is the best director to approach Scientology. Because he's lived. Well, what was very funny with that movie was like the media was like, it's not really about Scientology, and I watched it. Yeah, it's a hundred percent about Scientology. <laughs> That's all it's about. There's no other way. There's no other like random religion slash cult that has like a nautical element where you live on a boat for like a fucking eternity and like are doing all that yeah, stuff. I watched the movie and I was like, oh, this is literally just Scientology. Yeah, it's the fucking uh, what's his name, L. Ron Hubbard story from beginning to like randomly like in the yeah. 60s when yeah. you like but it was like it was like so funny because they were like and then like yeah it was like all the media was like it's not really about that i was like this well that's because legit. paul thomas Anderson didn't want to get sued and didn't want to get fucking destroyed by the church of scientology pretty much so i think that's why that happened so weird oh this interview between tom cruise and this reporter is so good oh i forgot about whiz kid downey uh, quiz kid Danny Smith just destroying this little shitty car that he has too. All right, so um, how do you feel about the fact? So like everyone thinks that like the only reason John Travolta and Tom Cruise rep up Scientology for the is, money, then for the connections. Well, no, because they, they think like they were like when they were initially into it, they told them secret like like where Tom Cruise and John Travolta were like we're total homos and like we like to suck dicks. <laughs> Um, I feel like Tom Cruise. It's, but like, harder, so it's harder to believe Tom Cruise is gay because he's had like so many like high profile I mean, women I've said this in, spouses. I've said this in Tom and Terry's before, where I was like, he's a fa- fa- fathered multiple children with multiple women. <laughs> yeah, he, he's pretty Travolta, much stri- had multiple vo- divorces. He's yeah. like the straightest guy I've ever heard of. Travolta seems like a gay guy secretly, hundred percent. Like Travolta, one hundred percent seems like a gay guy, but Tom Cruise does not seem like as much of a. But gay But also, guy. here's the thing: I feel like. One, Tom Cruise is rich enough, right? Like, Tom Cruise is rich enough where he could, like, literally cut off all of his arms and never work another day in his life. True. And he would be, he would be set. His kids would be set. Yeah. Fucking everybody would be set. Oh, definitely, yeah. So, like, if he was like, guess what, world? I'm totes gay. Like, one, I don't think, in 2016, I don't think we would care. No. 
And two, I don't think he has anything to lose. Brad. Oh, the sexy bartender. The element oh, of this. Oh, it's so sad. Oh, and then you so find out that's weird. why you got fucking braces, you oh, weirdo. It's just so depressing. Who does this song? Is this Supertramp? Yeah. Yeah. My dad loves Supertramp. Supertramp's really good. Really loves. I have a Supertramp vinyl from my dad that's in my vinyl, like, collection. But. It's like a weird bummer. Oh, and the old guy that's like the cock block oh, to yeah. Brad. Uh, he's quoting fucking Tennessee Williams and stuff. It's such a bummer. But like, would you like if if Tom Cruise is like, dude, I've been keeping this in for a long time. I'm I would I would gay, be shocked. Y'all. I would be shocked if he was gay because I don't think don't think he's a gay guy. I think that he is not well, a gay guy. Really care? Well, I wouldn't care. No, I don't care about any. I don't care about any closeted gay guy in Hollywood. Like, I don't care. Like, I don't think like it, it wouldn't make. I don't like one if like he could honestly stop working right now and never work another day in his life. Oh yeah, definitely. He wouldn't need to. No, I mean, his, he's net, been, wor- his net worth is... Honestly, the Mission Impossible worth- movies that they keep making, he could live off of those for the rest of his fucking life. No, he... Well, no, he could stop working right now. He has a, His net worth is about $400 million. God, that's terrifying. Amy Mann really just, like... Her music just pops up in this movie, like, yeah. all over the place. Well, it's, it's very... Like, the idea very, that, by the way, the cops would get called over her blasting her music is so fucking weird to me. Um... Like, how loud would her music have to be for John C. Reilly to show up and be like, I'm going to fucking have my hand on my holster at you? So my whole thing with that is, it's like, I don't believe, I believe that Tom Cruise legit believes in Scientology. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's like they have a noose around his I neck. honestly think it was Tom Cruise, he probably does believe it, but with John Travolta, I don't think that he believes it. And I think that he is a closeted gay guy who got sucked into Scientology and like is now just pretending to be a believer. So you think they have a noose around John Travolta's yes. neck? Yes, I, I legit believe Because no. Travolta, the, the writing is kind of on the wall with Travolta. Like, he's done so much, like... Weird gay shit. Theater-type stuff that's, like... I mean... That fucking Tom, Tom Cruise did Rock of Ages. He literally did a bra- the Broadway Rock show. of Ages, though, is a kind of a macho Broadway show. <laughs> like, comparatively, like, you're, like, in a rock... It's like a fucking, like, hair metal... Broadway show. Travolta was doing like fucking Grease and all this garbage that's like... He's a hell of a dancer. Yeah. yeah, He's a real like theatrical performer. But I honestly think Travolta is great. It just... He should just come to grips with the fact that he might not be... 100% straight. 100% straight. Like him and Kelly Preston, maybe they're not... So you you believe that Tom uh, Tom Cruise... Is a straight guy, yes. You think he's a straight guy who yeah. 100% believes that there's aliens inside yeah, of his he does. blood? I believe that, yes. I'm not, to me, that's not that hard to believe. Yeah, I think he does believe You 100% that. believe, like Tom Cruise is like, they're like, all right, yeah, the, the you're fucking, at the top level yeah, of Scientology. Yeah, you yeah. spent $200,000. Here's the top level. There's aliens inside your blood, and that's what's making you gay yep. and crazy. Uh, and yeah. he was like, and he was like, it makes perfect sense. Ooh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, me. I think he is. You a hundred percent believe yeah. that? I, I honestly, it makes more sense for me for Tom Cruise than it makes for John Travolta. Yeah. There's no. If those are the two, way, there's test no cases. way. You think that Tom Cruise is bullshit, and that you think that if you're a normal human being, and it's like literally this is a fact, then it's like it's on fucking Wikipedia, dog. Tom Cruise believes that there's aliens inside of his blood yeah. that make him gay and weird. 
Yeah, he might believe it. I, uh, and he believes that. He believes there's aliens in his that are, that's the Millions struggle. of years old aliens. That are causing him to struggle between men and women. Yeah. I believe it. And he believes that. And I believe that he has really gone through great lengths to like suppress the inclination to want to fuck dudes. And that's why he's so like forward. But I'm saying in 2016, like legit Caitlyn Jenner is a woman now. Right. And everyone's like, that's tight. Tom Cruise like, doesn't want to go down. Grace, like you can change your, not only can you change Tom Cruise your doesn't sexual, go down that road. not only can you change your sexual preference and still, not only still survive, but still thrive in 2016. Tom Cruise doesn't want to go down that road. He wants to be considered like the macho straight guy. He wants to be the guy right he in the motorcycle. He can still be a macho straight guy, but fuck dudes. Nah, he doesn't want to do it. He wants to be only fucking women, and he wants to be, through Scientology, so powerful that he just denies his inclination to he fuck think, dudes. Does he think at, one, at some point like Scientology will, is going to cure him? It? Yeah, it's going to cure him for being gay. But is it going to be the dominant religion in the world? Uh, maybe. He might. I don't know. I don't know the depths of his beliefs. Yeah, no, you can go. You can go pee. You want to go? Yeah. <laughs> What's the pause deal? <laughs> no, just go. So Andrew's peeing. So we're back. We're back in Magnolia, and in terms of a Tom Cruise movie, it's kind of interesting because this is not really a Tom Cruise movie, like. You wouldn't remember this movie as a Tom Cruise movie. You would remember it as a Paul Thomas Anderson movie where it's like there's an auteur behind it and like this is the, the, he is the point of this movie. But it's actually one of the most defining roles of Tom Cruise's career. It was the last time he's ever been nominated for a fucking Oscar. Like everyone remembers it for it. It's like it has some of his most iconic lines. So it's interesting that it's like I he probably should do more stuff like this. He should take more chances, but I don't know why like someone as rich as him, he has and he has insane production companies. Like he produces so many movies all the time. He has he has almost double the amount of production credits that he has acting credits. So like he could keep producing for the rest of his life and just not even be in front of the camera. And make an insane amount of money and like like I think he produced like Looper, like he produces shit all the time. Like, so, like, he could keep doing that, and then, like, he could take more... Like, he doesn't need to make money from acting anymore. So, like, he should... I think he should take more adventurous film roles, like stuff like Magnolia. I would say I was... While you were in the bathroom, I was talking... I was talking about the fact that, um, like, he he has almost double the producing credits than he has acting credits like he produces things all like his production company Tom Cruise? yeah oh yeah like yeah. he produces things constantly yeah i mean he produced all the like mission impossible movies and he's been in all of them yeah so like but he like produced like i was saying like i think he produced like looper like he like really no yeah, he, produ- he produces he produces random stuff that you like he has no connection to oh the dig the gay queen standoff here between yeah. William H. Macy and this old white dude are so balling. But I was saying, like, he's so rich right now. Like, he could even, like, right now he could literally do nothing for the rest of his life and be uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, he could also just, like, keep producing and make a ton of money. Yeah, and he probably would be 
more likely to like win an Oscar if he was just a producer. Producer, and, like, yeah, picking the right stuff. But yeah. I'm saying, and so I'm saying, like he should just keep producing stuff to make money or like whatever, and then like he should. Instead of like doing these like fucking stupid action movies that no one really respects but make yeah. a lot of money, like he should be taking more adventurous acting roles. Like this is the last time he took an adventurous action. Yeah, and role. that's like seventeen years ago. It's a long 16 time ago. Year, yeah, yeah, 16, 16 17 so years. So fucking ago. long. Ago. This movie came out a really long time ago. That was the last time he was nominated for an Oscar. Like he, like if he wants to leave his mark as yeah. I honestly don't know that he really wants to. Oh, this scene is so good. We got to watch Julianne Moore fucking go wild on this. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. She's just such a good actor. She's a really... How many times did she won an Oscar? You think? Uh, she won last year for uh, oh, Still sure. Alice. Sure. When she had the dementia. I didn't watch that movie. That movie, I, seemed, I don't think that movie any, seemed so depressing. I don't think... Like, honestly, any, I wanted to watch it, but I was like, Julianne Moore is going to make me cry and my wife cry, and I don't want to watch it. <laughs> I don't think anyone watched that movie. I, I'm not really attracted to redheaded women, but Julianne Moore is 100% like the hottest redhead that I could think of for like a like, legitimate... like. Like a ginger that I would want to like be involved in, like that's number one. She is like such a babe, like one hundred percent. I find your like this podcast find, has become me like really. I find your weird me. subjectification of of Julianne Julia Moore. Moore it's really gross. Grossly, I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry, but Julianne Moore is super hot to me. Like but the only thing is, I can't fault you for it because you also readily agree that she's a phenomenal actress. She's a great actor, and I also think so she's. <laughs> Like she's a phenomenal actress. Also, I want to bone her like, so bad. Like, uh, like don't like on a hundred percent. Like, <laughs> like so I can't fault you. Like, like if you, like I can't fault you for that. Like, like yeah, I agree. She's a phenomenal actress, but I was like, can you stop talking about what you want? How bone hot her she on? is! <laughs> oh my god, I can't. No, she's such a babe. Not gonna be a not. I'm sorry. Like, I mean, she is like. Awesome, but you agree she is a phenomenal actress, and she deserves like all the Oscars, like whatever she's in. All she of her win. accolades has nothing to do has, and then like no, you, she's like great. You have she's nothing, so nothing to fucking do. Good. You, you would love, you would love her acting chops, yeah, regardless of her looks. This movie, Boogie Nights, she should have won she for both of these movies. Made, in Boogie Nights, especially, she made her Boogie character Nights. in Boogie Nights was so fucking like perfect. It was amazing. She made Boogie Nights. I feel like they should have cast. He should have cast Ugh. her in like Inherent Vice, even like just find a role for her in Inherent Vice. Did I see Inherent Vice? Uh, it's not that great. <laughs> he gets that was a, his last movie, and then he did yeah. the Master. No, he did a Master before Inherent Vice. Inherent yeah, Vice no, came out after. Yeah, yeah. It was Inherent Vice, the Master. There will be blood. Yep. And then like, Punch Drunk Love. Punch Drunk Love, man. Like, uh, Punch Drunk I Love, Forgotten Classic. A great movie. That was the first movie that I loved. That was a P.T. Anderson movie. Before I even saw Boogie Nights and Magnolia, I oh, saw wow, Punch Drunk really? Love. Yeah, that was yeah. the first one. <sighs> Forgotten Classic, only an hour and a half long. I know. Shot Amazing. on video. And the best Adam Sandler movie that's ever been made that's actually good and that Adam Sandler is a star of. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. An amazing movie. <laughs> he's, just, he's just talking shit, and this lady's like, dude, I'm not impressed. Oh, these montages. These montages can. Well, now we really pick up the steam in this movie where it's a lot of cutting across yeah. the narratives. It's a lot of Martin Like, it's Martin a lot Sears of keeping track of all this. 
All right, I have to go pee, but I'm going to talk more about this. All break. right, well, I'll keep going. I mean, I, I got it covered. You, We took a break, each of us. So we're really getting into the quiz show element of this film. Uh, there's a lot of quiz, so, quiz show stuff that happens in this movie. But there's also a really hardcore effort to tie it all back together starting now. Which is where we get into like bringing back the worm and bringing back the talk that, the like the rap that the little kid has and all that stuff. But yeah, Jimmy Gator. The idea of Jimmy Gator as a character and like what do kids know as a show is pretty bizarre. And the idea of the delivery man back then, totally different than what it is now. Like, Philip Seymour often just got, like, a lot of shit delivered. Like, it's, like, pornos, and it's, like, food, and it's, like... You can still do that with Deliver.com. Oh, you can? You can yeah. get pornos delivered? Yeah, sure. Oh, man. Um, As a married person, I don't really get the pornos. <laughs> oh, so well, there's so much going on, man. Yeah, there's, this is really where you this see the peak where of, where the rubber like, meets the road, a lot man. of stuff happening. Yes, 100%. Uh, I was so, saying that a little bit while so I was So one gone. of these wrong numbers is Fiona Apple. Like, there's a lot of rotten, wrong numbers that happen right now. Anyways, what I was talking about. So, like, this movie is such, like, what I've been trying to talk about for the past fucking hour. Um, <laughs> is the fact that um, this movie is, like, very definitive of an era of movies. Like, this movie will would never get made. <laughs> like, this movie would never get made. No. Never, literally, never. No movie never. like this could get made. So in much 2016. so, so, so they literally were like, "We'll give you thirty million dollars to make a movie." I can't imagine. Like, it's firstly, no move, no movies can't get made for thirty million dollars anymore. Like, thirty million dollars are like dropping the bucket. Yeah, they're like, no, like either a movie's cost a billion dollars or nothing. <laughs> like, it's either, Batman versus Superman coming to theaters March twenty fifth. By the way, it's either they either cost a billion dollars or you shoot them on your iPhone. Like, there's no in between anymore. There's uh, no in between movies. Like, so this is uh, like the classic example. Such a bummer that Philip Seymour Hoffman is dead. Like, so, just, it's so fucking sad. So this is a classic example of a high end middle movie. Yeah, no, this is this is like the middle of the road, like Hollywood, like it costs not 30, blockbuster, but it like, costs thirty million and it and it made forty eight. It made more than it cost. Yeah, it made that more. to me is shocking. Yeah. Quite honestly, because like this movie seems like the movie that would take a long. Also, also, it wasn't a unanimous critical success. No, people hated it. Uh, it was very divided. Like people yeah. either. Well, the thing because was, the thing was, everybody loved like Boogie Nights, but everybody has, didn't love this movie. Yeah, it still has like an eighty-four on um, Rotten Tomatoes because it was either it was either a yeah. love or hate. hate. Yeah, that's it. Um, but like, a, but there were definitely some like pro- high-profile critics that hated this. movie. Oh, sure, sure. Uh, but the thing was, it, this is like such a middle, a weird middle road movie where it was like a studio would give you thirty million dollars, and not only did they allow him to have final cut, all those things without even that, he cut the trailer yeah. and he designed the poster. Wow! Like they let him have a thought. Like he had complete control over every single aspect oh. of this movie, and not even the movie, like including the promotion. 
and like soundtrack everything. He wrote he wrote the liner notes for the soundtrack CD. Wow, yeah, that's rare. And it's yeah, it's like this is like so. This is like one of this is probably one of the last movies like a ma- like a movie that costs over a million dollars. Yeah, like you get all that control. That for is like a this director. is this is a this is what not only is this movie a singular vision, like the idea of this movie was a complete singular vision. And like all vision. the promotion and all that. All stuff. the promotion, yeah, like crazy. the trailer, like I don't know if you remember the trailers, no. but the trailers he shot stuff. Just he, for them? Just for the trailer. So, like, the movie... Yeah, that doesn't So, like, the trailer, now. the stuff in the trailer, like, the trailer is... It's is he essentially, wearing, It's essentially a short Is film. he wearing the leather band that means nothing on his wrist? The, like, the, the the leather wristband that really doesn't do anything back in the day? Yeah, he's... Oh. Yeah, he's, like, totally... His winning. character is so fucking perfect. But, yeah, though. so this is, like, a complete... like This, this is guy like, should have been played by Joel McHale, by the way. Probably. He looks like Joel McHale. He does. Um, the pharmacist talking shit about all the hardcore painkillers that Julian Moore is about to get. Oh. She's just oh, giving man. him such the dirt eye. Ah. Uh. But because I kind of like it too, because she's supposed to be like shitty. But we also feel bad for her because she's but also, like, like he's getting be, he's blatantly judged by like an he's asshole. Being a dick. Oh yeah. God, this movie's good. Just like are, parts of this movie are great. Parts of this movie are completely pointless. But like certain parts of this movie are so good. I'd argue none of it's pointless. I would argue the whole thing is I mean, like it all like kind of like makes sense in the end, but it's also kind of stupid in the end. <laughs> this uh, is my favorite scene. Oh my god, it's amazing. She's so good. <laughs> Where is your <laughs> fucking decency? <laughs> oh my god, it's amazing. <laughs> She's so good. Oh my god. She's married to this old guy, this but old she's guy so fucking died. great. He's died. Oh, my God. Oh. This movie is so good. His monologue, though, is by far the most depressing part of this movie. No. We haven't even gotten to that point. That point, that like oh. that is going to be rough to get through. Just where he screams at the camera. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> Life is long. <laughs> Regret. Oh, Life is long. <laughs> God, it's horrible. So depressing. Oh, it's so good though. This th- honestly, the like the quadruple of Philip Seymour Hoffman, Tom Cruise, Julianne Moore, and Jason Robards, oh, by yeah. far the best grouping of this whole movie. Like sure, Melora sure, Walters and sure. John C. Riley are effective in their own like dysfunctional like kind of relationship way, 
And like the little kid and the like William H. Macy like duo is kind of logical because it's like interesting. But like really though, the four people that are like family members, quote unquote, that aren't really family members. Oh, they're so weird. It's so perfect. So like, weird. It's perfect. It just makes the most sense for like SoCal, like so- upper society of Southern California. Like it's like perfect. The Valley Epic. It's perfect. Yeah. And just Philip Seymour Hoffman is like the interloper that's like there to like just help the old guy. He's literally there just to help the old guy die. Like he's just trying to help the old guy die comfortably. Like it's like perfect. Like that could have been an own movie. That could have been the movie on its own. Like they could have cut out all the whiz, the quiz stuff, like bullshit. It would have been perfect. Right. That's I think I think that is probably the quintessential problem with this movie. Is that like you could have theoretically removed so some of much. it? Yeah, so like, much. You could have done it, and you could have made it a movie that was like two hours long. That was just like a family narrative of them, without the whole like. Right. This is stuff that happens. Like this is just random chance stuff that goes right. on, and like in a place, and like bringing in the stuff from the first fucking scene with the <laughs> the guy getting hung and the people shooting their kid out the window and all that garbage. Like, you could have removed all of that, and it would have still been a good movie. But, like, because P.T. Anderson had stars in his eyes and wanted to make the fucking opus of the valley in the 90s, this is what we got. Like, it's still good, but it could have been perfect. Just like the Tom Cruise, the defensiveness, the being, the level of defensiveness of his character in an interview when he knows that like he's like a famous person who's like under the spotlight. It's so true to life. Like it feels it feels like what you'd expect a Tom Cruise interview to go like in 2016 where like somebody wants to get like the the like the beat on Tom Cruise. Like they want to be like. Tom Cruise, you're full of shit. Like, this feels so yeah, real. It, it feels like Paul Thomas Anderson is almost like... Predicting fake, what's going to happen. Fake interviewing yeah. Tom Cruise. No, absolutely. It's weird. Oh, I dropped that guy, but I got it. Yeah, it's like uh, weird. And it's like, I can't believe someone like Tom Cruise chose to do that. Making he's essentially making a parody of himself. Oh yeah, and he's fine with it because it it it's like he knew that that was like what his life was going to be like, or he already knew it was like that to begin I with. Mean, it's insanely prophetic in yeah. 2016 to watch it. Oh, it's crazy. <sighs> man. Oh man. A little bigger hall struggling. And then there's like all this like whole layer of like all the weird like Illuminati, stonemason, biblical stuff in this movie as well. Like all of the like all of the like uh the symbols behind all of these kids in the windows, like they all hold culture they all hold significance. because uh, the raining frogs is from Exodus eight two. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there's tons of eight twos all throughout the movie. Oh, wow. That's the Pax Romana. Like there's all sorts of stuff um in this movie that's This little kid is literally fucking singing the answer. 
Yeah, so there's all sorts of weird biblical slash Illuminati slash Freemason references throughout this movie, which is like, which is kind of weird because it's an insanely personal. All of these stories are insanely personal, but it's like those are sort of like worldly connecting larger things. She looks so little next to him. No. She is really tiny compared to John C. Riley. Like he's like a giant human. Is he? He looks like he's like at least like six two, six three. Like probably. Is he a big guy? He seems like a big guy. He seems like one, but I don't really know that. That's I for think sure. She just might be really small. Yeah, she might just be really small. He might not be that big. I mean, Hollywood is weird with that stuff too, because it's like people seem bigger. I mean, fuck. Tom Cruise is five seven. Yeah, he he's like a tiny little man. So, like, let's talk about this. So, like, of all, uh, so Tom Cruise has made about forty movies. Why did you choose Magnolia? Um, well, for me, it's more um, an it's opportunity. Not, it's not about Tom Cruise. No, it's, honestly, that seems shitty because this is a commentary, and like, it's supposed to be about Tom Cruise. But for me, it's really not about Tom Cruise. It's about the director, the film, the film and like the whole like universe that exists within more than it's about Tom Cruise. Like all of Tom Cruise movies, like my favorite Tom Cruise movie itself is probably like like Mission Impossible 2 or something, but it's like <laughs> Mission Impossible 2. You're tripping. Down. I don't know. Well, go on, like go <laughs> the, some random the like new me- the new metal Mission uh, Impossible. I don't know maybe not that. I mean, one. I'll tell you right now we're going to do that mm. one and I can't wait for you to Oh, do yeah. It. I mean, it's going to be a group one, right? Yeah. Like we're going to be all doing it. Oh, yeah, we're all going Like do something it. stupid. Like it's like my, most likely you like know, my You know what's funny is uh so I made Danielle watch all of the Mission Impossibles. Yeah, from and beginning. And she was from like the first one, <laughs> the first one, which is very early nineties, very Mission boring. Impossible Two. Which is amazing. What's funny about the Mission Impossible is they're all directed by very capable. Yeah, well, Mission Impossible Three is when like a real director gets involved. It's like well, the no, fucking... the first one is Brian De Palma. The second one is John Woo. Yeah. The third one is J.J. Uh, Abrams. Right, right. That's the right. The fourth one is Brad Bird, who did all. Oh of the, yeah, like the Pixar movies, right? Like every Pixar yeah. movie. And then the fifth like one the is Incredibles and all that. Yeah, crap. and yeah. the fourth, the fifth one is like they've all been directed by very famous directors. Um, but the second one is so like the first one is. I'm always a, I'm a sucker for face off. Like John Woo is like my guy. Like that's well, like, yeah. So it's funny. So like the second one, so I, like I rewatched them all with my girlfriend, and the second one is the most late '90s movie I've ever. Oh yeah, seen. man. Like, he literally like he literally. Riding motorcycles through the fucking and, like, desert. With a leather duster. Oh, yeah, and, like, Hell yeah. Like, they highlight the oh, yeah. leather yeah, duster. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the most <laughs> and the Mission stereotypically <laughs> 90s movie that I can remember. <laughs> the Mission Impossible theme song. It's Metallica playing, like, <laughs> no, I Disappear. No, I, no, that's another song. But, but the actual Mission Impossible theme song is done by Limp Bizkit. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah, buddy. Metallica <laughs> and Limp Bizkit in the same movie. That's why that's my fucking favorite Tom Cruise movie. It's so funny, but it's like, because... Uh, my girlfriend Danielle such like an idiot dirt chick. She's like, man, I really love that second. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> he looked really cool with his leather duster. Play Mission Impossible. Play Limp Biscuit songs. I got no shame about that, man. Like, I mean, honestly, like from a childhood perspective, like of the Tom Cruise movies that I saw, that was probably the most hyped I was for. A Tom yeah, because I was because in- I saw the first one. Like, I remember seeing the first one and be like, wow, this is sick. He throws we really- he throws the gum on the fish tank and it fucking blows up. That's like we were baller. really young. When and that was the like first 1997 one. or something. And That's I re- like I rewatched it for the first time like since it came. No, it came out in like 94. Like, oh, that was that long ago. Yeah, wow. it was really a long time ago. Um. 
I rewatched it for the first time with Danielle, and it's f- so boring, boring. Yeah, as so boring. Fuck. It's like the most crazy shit is when like John Boyd gets his head popped off by the fucking train tunnel or whatever, and like the end. But there are like a lot of iconic like. The- oh, but Emilio Estevez in that movie too, though. Emilio Estevez was my yeah. j- dude from well, the nineties. You 90s. know what's funny about that? Movie? I can't believe we're talking about Mission Impossible. Hey, it's all right. It's a commentary. <laughs> this is what it's meant for. But. What's funny? No, I really right now like nothing is happening. Nothing's happening. Like this is a quiz show with Felicity Huffman, Ricky J, and like Jay. Luis Guzman, and like a child. Oh boy. Oh the dogs. Oh no, we're starting to get serious here. It's starting to get into Jason Robart's territory though, where he really delivers the hammer blow. But the funny thing is, so like, so like, spoiler, oh spoiler, the painkillers are all spoiler, on the floor. Spoiler alert! No, but seriously though, like Phil Jamaroffin just spilled like a bunch of heavy narcotics on the ground. This is fucking he's, crazy. He's literally acting his ass off. Oh, yeah. Now. Yeah, yeah. He's, like, using a mobile phone, picking up, like, hardcore narcotics off the ground. Not really that well. I think that was the whole thing with Philip Seymour Hoffman was his goddamn commitment yeah. to whatever he was doing. And just serving Jason Robards, like, fucking... Like, he's like, dude, Boogie Nights, I'm, like, a chubby gay guy. Oh. He's like, when I see Dirk Diggler's dick, I'm going to, like, come in my pants. Because I'm an actor. Hey, he was also in a Mission Impossible. He was yeah, one I know. He was the villain in the number three. He was three. one of the best Mission Impossible villains. I didn't one like number three, though. I feel like I need to watch number three again. Like, it's been a long time since I watched it's it. A, it very, People say that it's the best one because no, it's like... like no, it's actually... Mission Impossible 3 is very decisive, but it was, it's by far my favorite. Me and my wife saw it in, like, Port Chester when we were in Port Chester for the summer. We were in, like, Purchase for the summer. Yeah. And I feel like I didn't think it was that great. But I haven't watched it since then, which was like, that was like 2004, 2005, whatever the yeah. year that was. That was like a long time ago. Man, I loved it. Uh, but so anyways, so the first Mission Impossible was very funny. So like, spoiler alert on the first Mission Impossible, Emilio Estevez dies. Yeah, he like, gets blown up because of the fucking well, no, he gets like elevator shaft. Skewered. Yeah, yeah, elevator shaft. But he Killed dies him. like 10 minutes in. Oh, yeah. And what's so sad is the reason why they did that was they wanted it to be a shock where it was such... A big name was getting killed off early on, and so sad that like right. like in 2016, you're like, "Who's Emilio?" Yeah, Smith? no, yeah, the director of uh, Bobby, the the Robert F. Kennedy movie, yeah, like, where it's like it's, the guy from Mighty Ducks. It's so sad that like like where he was such a big name, they're like, "Dude, if you get killed off 15 uh, minutes, and people are going to lose their minds." And this like, is this is real super tramp, by the way. Like, yeah. this is super tramp to the max yeah. in this movie, right? But here. I like, it, but it was like because Danielle's younger than me. I literally had to explain to who her. Emilio Estevez was. Oh, Emilio. oh that's <laughs> and like why it was, why it was important Jesus. that he was dying so that's early really on depressing. in this movie. Super tramp is sick, by the way. I'm gonna stand by it. Um, you don't. That's not a tough. Stance to Not a hard stance. Well, this this usage of Super Tramp in Magnolia is dope right here. I used to be smart. I used to be smart. Yeah, I feel the same way. I feel the same way with the uh, quiz kid, Donnie Smith. Don't worry, buddy. God, he's depressing. Then this fucking ancient old guy starts quoting Tennessee Williams and making it really depressing. Yeah, God. Ugh. Oh, 
Oh, Samuel <laughs> Johnson. Samuel. Sorry, I thought it was uh, Tennessee Williams. It's Samuel Johnson. Oh, man. So long. How long has this been going on for? We're we're about ha- we're about halfway right now. We have another hour and a half to go. <laughs> no, Jesus yeah. We have like how long we've been doing this for? We have exact- the exact same amount of time to keep going. Will my voice hold out? I've been screaming since literally two o'clock <laughs> about also, soccer. Also, we're in microphones, so you don't need to scream. I mean, I've still been doing it. Like, I honestly can't control it at this point. So- to be honest, William H Macy's. Eyeglass game was way on point way before these kind of frames were in style in yeah. the 90s. Like, sure. this is dope. Like, these glasses would be fucking 100 flame emojis in 2016. I life. mean, the whole thing about, the, like, the thing, like, I would say the the best thing about this movie is is the singular vision where it's like literally everything about this movie is completely thought of. Like, like that's the thing I enjoy the most about this movie is it's like every single thing. Like, oh yeah, like you know, Paul. P. T. Anderson doesn't fuck around. Paul like, Thomas Anderson thought about that light, that couch, that chair. I'm gonna email this to Paul Thomas Anderson when we're done. Like, I'm gonna find his email to. and I'm gonna send it to. Him. No, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna yeah. find him and I'm gonna say, "This is my like homage to you. Like, you are my like the best director of my era that I could imagine. Like, I- to me, Scorsese was like." Before I mean, my time. Like, Scorsese is, like, the 70s and 80s, like, 100%. But to me, Paul Thomas Anderson is the 90s and the 2000s. Like, that, he is the best director that we've had I mean, I in agree. America in that time. When I'm talking about, like, post-Reservoir Dogs or post-Pulp Fiction era. Tarantino never made a movie as good as Paul Thomas Anderson has made many movies. Well, I'm saying, like, I'd say this is the magnum opus of the post the post. Pulp Fiction pre nine eleven era. For me, Boogie Nights is a better movie than Quentin Tarantino will ever be able to make. Oh, like sure. he will no, never be able to no, make no, a movie. This is like, post, like I would say, I would put Jackie Brown in there. I would put the, uh, this movie in there. I'd put Boogie Nights, The Matrix, Fight Club, like all like. No. Boogie Nights is better than all those movies. All the movies you I just mean, named, dude. Magnolia and Boogie Nights. I would say like he's the cream of the crop, but I would say this is the definitive work of that era. Yeah, and it's like. Really insane singular vision, and it's like super weird and fucking Tom. Well, Cruise, what's weird to me is Tom that Cruise is fucking in it. This movie is the most '90s of all the movies that you just named. Like, I mean, no, they all, they're all very '90s, but they all were Dude, trying. The Matrix has Marilyn Manson on the soundtrack. I think to me, The Matrix was trying to be a kung fu movie from like the '70s. Well, no, it was like that Quentin was like Tarantino's that, movies that were trying to be like westerns, but with like modern era stuff. They're all all of those movies are all, the, all those movies are all like a synth, uh, synthesis yeah. of other eras. But to stuff. me, this movie feels so '90s that it's like unmistakably the late '90s in California. Like this is this movie yeah, personified. Mean, this is the, the this is the definitive work of that era, and it's amazing, and it's like it's perfect. And, and we're, like we're it's crazy Tom to think Cruise right now it's crazy to think that Tom Cruise's like look and persona is like back now in yeah. like the 2015 sure. 2016 era. But it's like that he's back. Like he this is this kind of character is 
real in so current we're day. Wa- we're wa- what we're watching right now is Tom Cruise get nominated for an Academy Award because this yeah. is like this is where like because this what, is what it's what like. Him got, what got him the nomination is him switching from being charming to getting pissed off and so being like uh like hostile yeah. interviewer interviewee. Yeah. That's yeah. like what Trump is right now, yeah. by the way. Like this is so, like Trump in 2016, yeah, so, like doing an interview with one person, like yelling at the person yeah. doing the interview. So this is the sw- this is like literally what got it. But and that's like, why it's so like, effective. Literally, like you can literally say, and you're like, oh, he gets it because yeah. I'm talking. He loses his shit while he's doing the interview. I'm talking over him, and I can see like I'm not even hearing what he's saying. Oh, look at this face. Oh, 30 seconds ago, he looks like he looks like a different character. Oh, what's your fucking question? Jimmy Gator. Jimmy Gator's struggling. Jimmy Gator. I can't wait till Jimmy Gator just goes on the ground like... Jimmy Gator does that. Like, within, like, 20 minutes, he's just on the ground on his back. Oh, this movie's so good. Oh, this movie. All right, so we're gonna order some burritos. We gotta do some food. Yeah, I gotta, eat, I gotta eat something during this movie. Wait, what is, what is the place you order from? L.A. Burrito. Oh, let me look it up. <laughs> Todd, if Todd was a current day actor, he'd be played by Kyle Mooney of SNL. Todd of this movie would have been played by Kyle Mooney, one hundred percent. What is he, pisses pants though or something? That's like what happens. Yeah, Stanley pisses his pants. Don't, yeah. uh, no spoilers, but Stanley pisses his pants. This is a sad thing. And what am I looking for here? L.A. Burrito? Um, scrolling. It's yeah, literally man. just called L.A. Burrito. Oh, she's... <laughs> Enough, Andrew. All right, I'm not going to say anything. No, no, no. My wife's going to listen at some point. She's going to be really pissed. <laughs> There's no way she's ever going to Yeah, listen. she's probably not going to listen. But ultimately... <laughs> I need to cool it. I need to cool it on the Julianne Moore. Just obsessed. Man, I can't believe I'm going three hours on this goddamn podcast. Yeah, man, we're gonna go all the fucking way. Oh, build your own salad. Ooh, daddy. <laughs> Grilled beef salad. Oh, daddy. That's what I want. Wait, what are these choices? All right. So the rule is like when we do eat food on this on this commentary, you can't chew into the no, microphone. I'm not gonna chew into the microphone. I have decency. But, yeah, so uh, P- Paul Thomas Anderson says, like, he was like, if I could do anything, I would cut this movie down. Really? Yeah. That's a shame. He said it on Mark Maron a year ago. How do you feel about that? Like, do you feel like... I think you should leave it as long as he does. And I think you shouldn't change a damn thing about it. <laughs> That's my own... My own opinion is... uh. Yeah, he could probably he could probably trim it a little bit. You could trim it. Yeah, you could trim it. No, you Honestly, definitely could. That scene I just watched, we didn't need to see that. <laughs> yeah, we could probably we could easily trim the movie down, but I I'm not that convinced that it needs I mean, to be like cut. Like I feel like the length of it is kind of uh like a selling point to it. Like, <laughs> like it's three hours for a reason. It's like an opus. It's like it's a, it's an epic. It's an epic. It's a thing of epic scale. You no, can't ma- you can't make an epic that's an hour and a half long. I agree. 
I definitely agree. You're not talking to the microphone. I was just talking to the microphone. Don't worry. Like, you can't make an, epi- an epic that's an hour and a half long, so it's like he needed to make an epic, so an epic needs to be three hours long. Is this one she talks about? Like, wait, 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 wait. She's going to get into it. This is why she should have won. She should have won Best Supporting Actress right here. Wait, wait, wait. wait. She's going to talk about... Wait, wait. Yeah. She's so intense in the scene. Wait. Here it comes. <laughs> She's so good. She's like fucking. Oh, I sucked with the rest of cocks. <laughs> she is so good. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. She is the. By far. The best actor in the she movie. She isn't a like, In this with, movie, she is one million percent the best actor. Along with Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Julia Moore, we they are American treasures in my mind. And in this movie particularly, she is so good. By the way, how is Julia Louis-Dreyfus, by the way, who is phenomenal? She's just screaming at that guy. Shut the fuck up! Uh, like... How do you feel about Julia Louis-Dreyfus? Um, I think that she has become a better actor and more respectable since Seinfeld than I would have expected her to be. Like, But you find, you think she's phenomenal? Now, yeah, now I do. I think she's really You tapped. didn't like her on Seinfeld? No, no, no. I think from Seinfeld on, she has been, like, nonstop. So, you're like, you were great on Seinfeld, and you're even better now. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think that it took her being on Seinfeld for her to really come into her own and become, like, the leading female comedic actress right. that she is now. So, here's my... Like, thing. I think beforehand, like, on SNL, like, she was not that memorable. Like, oh, no one even... No, I'm not... I'm and in, like, I don't, I don't in the days me. when she was in, like, one of the vacation movies, it was just, like, take it or leave it. But, like, once she got on to Seinfeld and then everything post-Seinfeld, she's been amazing. Not only did she define a role with Seinfeld, I think she defined... Yeah, like, the the whole, like, early 90s of women in America, yeah, I think she do, like with Seinfeld. Oh, Stanley I, just uh, pissed his pants. He just pissed his pants. Yo, I man, think, I want I this. She, uh, I think she defined a. I want this deal. grilled beef fajita platter. That's what I want. You want to order? I'll. I'll. Uh, yeah, I can. I uh, you want me to just do it? I can just do it on my phone. Wait, let me just do it on my phone. All right, hold on. Uh, I'll do that. Wait, why can't I change the address? I gotta change the address. All right, let me change the address. You want a what? Chicken chili beef burrito? Yeah. Oh, gotta find it. Chili beef burrito. Wait, what? No, that's not right. Jesus Christ, give me the fucking... Wait, 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 wait. Relax. Relax. And he's like, and dude, fucking Jimmy Gator is like having a panic attack right now. Chicken chipotle burrito? <laughs> just, just pick it, and then, wait. Don't do anything because I got to put in the address. Actually, Jimmy, no. I'm getting a catfish burrito. Ugh, you f- fucking liar! All right, there he goes. This is, it's added to the bag. Yeah. 
Like, dude, him, like, I, like when I first watched this, I thought he was, like, having a stroke. <sighs> yeah, he looks like he is basically having a stroke. That's what it seems like. <laughs> oh, he falls over. Man, is it weird that I kind of wish I was like a cocaine addict like that where I was like just doing coke all the no, time? No, I really, I don't think. Like, I kind of romanticize it a little bit, but. I think cocaine is the worst drug for that to happen with. Like, honestly. Like, I kind of romanticize it a little uh, bit. Like, I was like, oh, man, just doing a little snoot right there, like in the middle of the day while my dad's having a heart attack in the middle of the TV not, show. Not ideal. All right. Uh, Fourteen. Catfish burrito, one grilled beef fajita platter. Done. And? You want more? No. I'm saying done and done. All right. Done. Place my order. Oh, Stanley. Uh, You need to tell them to call when they're downstairs. Uh, I didn't add it, but they'll call. call. We're good to go. Yeah. This movie's too long for us to not eat food during the middle. I'm apologizing in advance. But this movie's three hours long, <laughs> and if you were crazy enough to watch it's the whole fucking movie, long. yeah, and like I can't imagine like like the Venn diagram of the person who would be interested in this podcast and would also watch, watch this entire movie, what, and then also watch along with this podcast playing. Like there's like I am the creator of this podcast, and I wouldn't even do that. This is probably the toughest one for Tom Cruise. Like, most of the other Tom Cruise movies are two hours long. Yeah, about that. So I think now is a great time to talk about uh, the other thing that I talk about in the Tom and Terry podcast. There's another Tom that's the big elephant in the room. Who's a great actor, great American actor, about the same age as Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks? Tom Hanks. You're talking about Tom Hanks. You literally just said Tom Hanks. That's a great American actor. That's not Tom Hanks. Yeah, that's yeah. Tom Hanks. So I'm talking about Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks should never be in this movie. He's not edgy enough to be in this movie. So the thing is about Tom Hanks, well, firstly, he's a more respected actor than Tom Cruise. Yeah, he for is. Sure. 100%. He's won three. Won uh, many Oscars. Won uh, three Oscars. Always considered. Two, two in a row. Always considered a serious actor. Wait, he won for Philadelphia, and then what did he win for Forrest Gump? Because uh, he went for a retard. Yeah. That's literally that whole movie exists because Tom Hanks won for Forrest Gump. I'm just going to say um, that. But, so, what is your feeling on Tom Hanks? To me, Tom Hanks is a opportunistic kind of a hack compared to uh, Tom Cruise, especially. Tom Cruise is wow. more more willing to <laughs> wow. do dumber, like more like entertaining movies. Tom Hanks is always looking out for number one and always going to do the like glory spot where he's going to look like the fucking. Real statesman of America. You're the one person I've ever oh. met in my entire life who is 
hating on Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks is the most vanilla, boring, like fucking like Mister Me, Mister Me Too. Like, get me that fucking Oscar because I'm in fucking Philadelphia being an AIDS patient, or like, give me the fucking Forrest Gump. Give me the Forrest Gump. Like, I'm like kind of retarded and I'm from the fucking (laughs) South. Like, give me a break. That dude is a fucking hack. Bridge of Spies, by the way, was garbage. Like, Bridge of Spies was a fucking Oscar movie because it had Spielberg and Hanks and Mark Rylance, who's a great fucking actor. That's it. That's the only reason it was there. The Coen brothers and the Coen brothers, who, by the way, like, must have fucking wiped their ass with the script and gotten the fucking nomination because they, like, were like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, make it, like, slightly more funny, like, occasionally. And then, by the way, give us the co-script writer credit. That's all you're talking about, by the way. Oh, the Coen brothers, the fucking Bridge of Spies. Garbage fucking movie. Um, all seven of the other Best Picture nominees were a million times better than that fucking garbage. You'd give it to Mad Max before you give it to Whoa, Mr. Whoa, Spy. Mad Max was my number two. Spotlight was number one, and Mad Max was number two in Mr. Andrew Lee's ranking of movies for 2016, 2015. No, Mad Max was an amazing movie. And you know what? It was a remake, and it doesn't matter because it was still way more fucking entertaining. It was not a remake. It was a sequel. It's like a sequel, like whatever, reimagining. Reimagining. Whatever you want to call it. Man, it was I still you, that movie was fucking infinitely better than the fucking Berlin Wall like fetishization that the Cohen brothers and Steven Spielberg came up for, for yeah, that, fucking that British fucking, spies. That fucking baby, absolute that garbage, baby boomer jerk off film, just garbage. When I die, just in in lieu of a eulogy, mm-hmm. just uh, repeat that line. <laughs> that's what I call it. <laughs> a baby boomer jerk. Off. Yeah, that's what it was. That's accurate. Melora Walters barely was in any I'll put movies. It on record right now, I fucking hate baby boomers. Oh, the baby they boomers are the worst. America. Yeah, honestly, uh, they are the reason why everybody thinks that millennials yeah. are like you basically know, you retarded. Know who's a baby boomer, Donald Trump. Yeah, and he, he wants to be president. But honestly, though, baby boomers are the reason why everybody thinks millennials are fucking incompetent retards. Is because like the baby boomers are like, oh, we're so much better than these millennials. Realistically, though, millennials really? and baby boomers are not dude, that much different. Dude, if if, millenni- if millennials had iPhones, they wouldn't be taking selfies. They'd be taking pictures of their assholes and posting. They're them. not that much different than baby boomers. Like baby boomers and millennials are the same fucking thing. It's just like, oh, Frank T.J. Mackey's about to lose his mind. This movie's about to get so good. Like, this movie with Tom Cruise, particularly, is about to get ridiculously good. So, you would say one of your favorite... You would say your favorite Tom Cruise movie is... From here on. From here until he's not in the movie anymore, this is when Tom Cruise is at his best. So, like, what's your thoughts on Tom Cruise? Like, do you think he is... Like, I think he's a criminally underrated actor. I think Tom Cruise is a fine actor who, when provoked... With the most close to his real life roles, like this movie is like really close to his real persona. Mm-hmm. When he gets like kind of close to letting out his reality, he's like even better of an actor. Like I feel like the Mission Impossible movie is like he's always a little bit reserved, but like this right now. Frank T.J. Mackey right now in this movie is like what it's like for Tom Cruise to feel like he's getting called out on Scientology being bullshit. Right, right. Like this is him like with all of his internalized like angst about believing in Scientology. Do you think, like right now with this thing where he's like, where it's like this, this is him this feeling like Scientology is being insulted. Like that's him right now. Like 
expressing it. Look at how terrible Philip Baker Hall's tie is. Oh, terrible. So, oh, no, it's... Uh, it's like... Jason Robards is uh, Tom Cruise's dad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, when, when Tom Cruise goes to the apartment, when Tom Cruise goes to the house and he's just there with Philip Seymour Hall, and oh, God, it's so good. Your girlfriend sent you emojis, bro. <laughs> yeah, it's an emoji from your girlfriend. Oh, Todd. Oh, some fucking lady, Mimi. Stanley's got to go because he's got to piss in his pants. He peed his pants, dog. He can't go stand up there because he pissed his fucking pants. This is like so The quintessential crazy. little kid struggle right here. This is like the quintessential, like, super kind of like, oh, man. Oh, Stanley, get your butt over here. I want to see right, your you know pissed what? pants, you little fucking miscreant. <laughs> well, relax. Oh, it's going to be so depressing. I'm sick. I'm sick. Stay and I'm in love. Way. And I'm in love. Oh, oh God. God. Oh. Oh, my God. Oh. What a... I got money. I got cash dollars over here. I'm not a fucking creep. Oh my oh, god. god. This movie is like the most heartbreaking. Oh, movie. it's so depressing. It's heart wrenching. It's heart wrenching. Oh god. I used to be smart. I used to. Oh, God. (laughs) What a very depressing movie. Like, this is where it turns really depressing. This is the point right here, yeah. This is where it gets really depressing. Also, it's like, this is insane for a movie where it's like, we're almost two hours, like, it's uh, like a an, two average, hours an average no, 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 movie yeah, would be over. No, 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 not and even we're close. Like, now we're getting into the oh, yeah. yeah, this is where it gets really depressing. Oh, he's going to puke all over that fucking toilet. Oh, this movie, it only gets worse So John here. C. Riley like, has, like, found out that, like... He's feeling like he's got it all figured out. Well, so it's like they're like girl, boyfriend and girlfriend now or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Him and Coke Fiend Melora Walters think that they're like totally good to go. I'm going to treat this young lady right. 
Whoa. Oh, jaywalking. <laughs> jaywalking. Whoa. Where are you going, worm? So in prep for this movie, uh, him and Paul Thomas Anderson did like a bunch of... Uh, Cocaine? <laughs> probably. I mean, obviously. <laughs> but uh, him and Paul Thomas Anderson, they did like a bunch of cop style, like they recorded a bunch of cop style stuff of John C. Riley. Stanley, you're fucking it up. He's full of piss. You got piss all up in his... Little fucking. Well, I love that like fucking fat kid because he's like perfect. Talk shit about Stanley so much. Jimmy Gator looks like he's about to Jim, fall Jim, over. Jimmy Gator. Like, Jimmy Gator's already uh, gone. Jimmy like Gator's assistant dying. holding him up. I mean, this movie is so funny because it... Uh, I mean... God. Jimmy doesn't want to answer... Little Stanley doesn't want to answer the goddamn questions anymore. Well, this movie shows the humility of an old person and a young person and a middle-aged person. It shows, like... No matter what age, like, I think that's like kind of the thesis of this movie is like it doesn't matter what age you are, like you're going to be humiliated by. Oh yeah, at some point, like like fucking little quiz kid right here is being completely humiliated. This guy who's on his deathbed, who's he's a millionaire, he's just popping on a morphine, just like about to be fucking embarrassed. Is a compute a complete humility, and then it's like like everyone is uh, is completely humiliated by life. By li- life is like fucking kicking everyone's ass. Julian Moore's about to drive back in. <laughs> Where do you get off? So we're about two hours in, and what we've learned is Andrew Lee really wants to put his penis inside Julian Moore. I'm not gonna <laughs> actually. I, no, you want to take a time machine? <laughs> I'm not gonna deny it. Like, yeah, like I mean, no, I still would. No, no, no. It's not even like I require a time machine. Like, I, 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 I mean, I find her beautiful and amazing, and I'm sure. No, way, but I, I probably outrival you in finding her beautiful and amazing. A woman like her who's such a good actor, because I'll tell you right now, physical attractiveness. He's literally taking out it all. He's just standing there like fucking with this lady. Frank TJ Mankey. Oh, yeah. Oh, Tom Cruise is so good in this fucking movie. So weird. So weird and so intense. He's going home. He's going home right now. So weird that he like he even plays close to a villain. One of these dogs is gonna die. <laughs> it's terrible, but it's true. 
Because they ate like a lot of painkillers. Oh, the indecision of a child. But um, but like your attractiveness, your attractiveness to Julian Moore. It's a little too much. No, because it's like I totally get it. Because it was like I bet you she's so good at having sex. Uh, I mean, <laughs> like we've already brought up Julia Julia Louis Dreyfus. Oh God! Like, um, because it's like, I mean, like those are two of the most beautiful people from the '90s that I can think of. But like, it's just like, like, like I don't really care about like what you look like, but it's just like their demeanor. Yeah, I mean, both both signifies those, yeah. that they're probably really good at boning. Ah, uh, maybe. Like, I'm not going to have to, like, I'm not doing all the, if I have sex with Julia Louis-Dreyfus or Julianne Moore, I'm not doing all the work. Right. Is what I'm saying. Okay. Gotcha. Like, they're going to be excited to be there as well. Has John C. Reilly lost his gun yet, or has he still got his gun? Well, I think like he's he looking for it right it. now. No, he's looking for it right now. He's still looking for it? Okay. That's a fact. Quote me on it. I guarantee Julianne Moore and Julia oh. Louis-Dreyfus are both really good at fucking. I think this is where he loses it. Yeah, this is where he gun. loses this it. This is where he loses it. He already lost it. What an incompetent cop, huh? Just think about all those LAPD officers that just, like, murdered Rodney King and, like, John C. <laughs> Reilly cannot even keep his gun. What a 90, a 90s movie to watch, like, considering that the 90s... Yo, are- this little kid just ran <laughs> off with that gun. Ran off with the gun. What a 90s movie to watch, considering the 90s are back. The yeah, considering back. the 90s are back is when we just found AJ, OJ's knife buried in this fucking yard garden. So I looked it up. He can't be tried again. No, he cannot be tried again. He's 100% scot-free. Which I find, like, kind of shitty. Like, Firstly, like, I believe... Like, I'm fully, like... But, like, you can get tried again if you're found guilty. Yeah. If you're found innocent, uh, You nope. want to find him innocent again. Yeah, yeah. But if you're found innocent, you're done for life. You're done, like, you're you're done for forever. Be, no. OJ's never going to be retried. But the thing is, um, you're only found innocent based on... Uh, Frank the other is screaming. Whoa, he's screaming. I want you to do your fucking job. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) Ah! God. So, like, you... It's so funny that you chose this movie because this is honestly... uh, This is universally accepted as one of Tom Cruise's best performances. Absolutely. So it's kind of interesting you chose this. It's like it's one of like it's a three hour movie and he's in probably thirty minutes. But he's still it. the best in it. And it. But it's also Tom Cruise's probably best performance. Was that Tom Hooper? I think that was Tom Hooper. Wait. Oh, the dad. The dad is so fucking hyphy. That might have been Tom Hooper who won best director. Oh, he didn't win best director, but his movie won best picture at the Oscars this particular year. Wait, let me look that up. I don't think that's true. I don't think that Tom was Tom Hooper. Hooper. Tom Hooper. No, wait. Uh, Tom McCarthy. Tom, Tom McCarthy. McCarthy. I'm sorry. There I am no, sorry. Uh, Tom no, Hooper is the guy that did like Les Mis yeah, and like yeah, all those yeah, movies. Yeah, yeah. No, Tom it, McCarthy is the one that did be, Spotlight. It could be Tom McCarthy. That might if have Tom been McCarthy him. Tom McCarthy was in Magnolia. That's going to be a joke. 
Oh, the fucking Easter egg. That's yeah. going to be such a chill Easter egg. <laughs> Let me see if it was him. I don't think it was him, but it looked like it could have been him. I mean, it could have been. He was a very popular actor at the time. Man, this bitch loves cocaine. Oh, man. Watching her. Yeah, Melora Walters is a little Watching too... her do it, though? Man, yeah. Man, I would love a little snoot right now. Oh, no, I don't think he was in it. It wasn't Tom McCarthy. I made a mistake. I'm sorry, everyone. It was not Tom McCarthy that was in Magnolia. Yeah, that's fine. But, man, I'll tell you right now, I could do, I could do like, four lines right now. Julianne Moore is trying to kill herself in the garage right now. This is really bumming me out. I don't remember this from the movie. But she's that's really it's trying like, to do it. And it's like, she is so depressing in this movie that it's like... It's totally even, plausible. It's not even It's surprising. totally plausible. God, I love him in this. So, what's your take on Tom? On Tom? Yeah, on Tom Cruise? You don't? You don't think he's underrated? I do think he's underrated because I think he hasn't done enough movies like this. Because it's like anytime he gets a like, dude, even uh, fucking what's it called, Edge of Tomorrow? Right. That movie what'd was. What do you feel about Edge of Tomorrow? I think he had a bigger part in that movie and like a a good opportunity to shine in that movie. Whereas in other movies, he doesn't really have that. But, like, how did you feel about that movie and his role? I didn't think it was a great movie. Oh, Ugh. God. Julianne Moore. Enough. I can't. Enough. Enough, buddy. I can't. I'm sorry. Oh, Her my God. Philip Seymour Hoffman. It's so Christ. good. So sick. This movie really, though, was like the peak the peak for all these actors. This was it. This was the pinnacle. I mean, we're all waiting for the wise up scene. And we're gonna. <sighs> by the way, well, during the wise up scene, we're gonna sing it. Oh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna be eating a fucking fajita platter and crying half half the way. Her vocal like levels she are just so crazy. good. She's just so good at it. She's like so good at doing that. Man, she would probably be horrible to date, though. She's like married with kids. Like I'm not going to date her in real life. Wait, like, who who is she married to? Is she married to somebody famous? Uh, no, 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 not a famous guy. But she's like married with like she's, she's like, married to some like graphic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she's who has, like who has to deal with it. They got like Nick season tickets. My like, wife, my wife is Julianne Moore, and she screams and cries literally every single right. day. So yeah, like that's <laughs> like, like it is. <laughs> Literally a nightmare. Yeah, 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 probably. But like, ultimately, whatever. Like, she's awesome. She's loud. She's beautiful and great. But um, being married to her is literally the worst. <laughs> I thought he just had like a cameo in this. No, movie. no, no, no. He's like, like the serious. Guzman he's like the serious like antagonist. He's like talking shit. Michelle <laughs> 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 Nichols. <laughs> By the way, that is not. Oh my god! Oh, this he's movie looking is... for his gun. This is this is where this movie like really like. So we're oh we are over two hours into this movie, and this is like really where it kind of like 
comes to a head. Oh, yeah. Like the wise up thing is about to happen. Any minute now. And that's like, that's kind of like the whole, like, that's, that's what, the emotional central of the like movie. That's what we're, that's what we're building to is like kind of this, like, oh, yeah, break in reality. God, this movie is just like, it's just all about the sadness of being alive. Oh, yeah. And particularly being hooked on cocaine for multiple characters in this movie. Melora Walters' character and like uh, Errol, yeah, yeah, this, uh, yeah, this whole oh. little family dynamic—it's all about cocaine. But it's—I it, think it's like really cool that like uh, she's supposed to be like this weird trophy life, but she legit loves this man. She loves him, but she's also fucking unhinged without him. Yeah. But she's she so, but she's so good at being unhinged without him being normal. Like yeah. it's like incredible. To me, this was this and Boogie Nights were her two best performances ever as an actor. And, well, no, and, well, I, I, I won't, I won't agree to that. But like the fact it is, like the fact, like she, like she won the Oscar. So good. So often she won the Oscar for like still Alice because we, we all talk, we all talk about Meryl Streep, but like. Dude, Julianne Moore, like Meryl Streep was like the eighties, like but like I'll, I'll tell you, like in the nineties and two thousands, Julianne Moore is our Meryl Streep. Even Julianne Moore winning last year was for the Still Alice, and like she had like Alzheimer's, but and like, literally no one even watched that movie. That's what I'm saying. It's like for her, for me, her in Boogie Nights and her in this movie, like way more relatable than Still Alice because. She's like a in Boogie Nights. She was like a porn star hooked on coke, who was like the mentor to the best yeah. male porn star ever, who was like guiding him to becoming what he was. Or this movie, where she's just like the trophy wife who loves cocaine, who's like also super. With his fat face, and he's already he's crying. He's, acting, he's already crying. He's acting the hell out of this. He's already crying. I'll tell you what. And then, like one of their la- like one of Philip Seymour Hoffman's last films was with her. I know the one where they're in the fucking, not even the hunger. Oh, wasn't she, she wasn't in the movie where they're in like a. Classical music? No, that was Catherine Keener. I got Catherine Keener and her yeah. confused. No, Catherine uh, Keener, by the way, also. Uh, uh, enough, Andrew. All right, I'm not going to say anything. Old women. I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> no comment. We get it. No comment. <laughs> we get I didn't, it, Andrew. Listen, I didn't say anything. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. You want to fuck a lot of austere. Only two specifically. <laughs> austere old women. They're both awesome. But Man, yeah, you're right basically now. right. Man, I'll tell you right No, now. you're right. The Hunger Games, they were both in that. That shit was right great. There. And I'll tell you right now, you watch that movie, they acted the fucking shit yeah, out of those yeah. movies. They took those movies and made them their Julianne own. Julianne Moore made it to the last one. <laughs> fucking Philip Seymour Hoffman one of if he didn't he was in the last one too but he was like a hologram yeah, it wasn't the same if he didn't shoot up and die but yeah. 
was so depressing. God, it's so depressing that he died on an overdose of heroin. It's so depressing because he was like, I really think he could have been like, he could have been the next Bill Murray, but like, yeah, but like actually winning an Oscar, but like a critically acclaimed Bill Murray. Oh yeah, yeah, like he would have won an Oscar before Bill Murray by a hundred percent. Like Wait, Bill Murray he already won an Oscar. Yeah, he won for Capote, but he would have like he oh, could have won even more. By the way, he a thousand percent deserved that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Capote, the his his Capote was awesome, um, but no, like he could have done like weird shit, like he could have had like ten years in his forties or fifties or whatever, where he was just doing like weird stuff. I agree. Like he was in like the most shitty, like man, I'll never forget. Like I kind of want to do like a whole novel about Along Came Polly. <laughs> Just because of, like, Philip Seymour Hoffman's involvement. Because it's not even, like, an interesting comedy. No. It was, like, a shitty comedy. It was, like, a shitty rom-com. But he's in it. And he, like, he, like, literally, like, he didn't elevate the movie to perfection. But his role and his performance was, like, like, literally all the Jonah Hills and Seth Rogans and Paul Rudd's well, of the world. I watched SNL like, he last was, like, night. Li- he was, like, literally, like, I got, like, he was, like, yeah, I'm just, oh, like, yeah. doing this. And he, like, literally just, like, was better than all. I still don't understand why Jonah Hill is famous. And I watched an SNL last night where they, he was they, they, they make fun of that fact. In the- I don't get it. I don't get why he is a famous person because he's not that funny. But did you like that they made fun of that fact? Uh, no, because I don't. I just fundamentally don't understand why he's famous. He's famous because he's in movies with Seth Rogen and like, you know, the guy that made all the movies. What's his name? Fucking, uh, you know, the guy that made the girls show. Oh, oh, he's freaking out. <sighs> Frank T.J. Mackey's losing his fucking mind. My dad's, uh, my dad's dying in the middle of his living room. Your dad is not dying like this right here. Like right now, currently. My dad? No, he's not doing this right here. Maybe in like a decade. But not right now. Wait, what? What? I was like, I was talking as Frank Mack. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, no, my dad, my dad's fine. Your dad's fine. fine. Your dad's, yeah, dad's fine. fine. That's what I'm saying. That's what I was saying. Yeah. No, my dad's fine. Oh, this is about to get really real right here with fucking Frank T.J. Maggie's dad. Oh, is this it? This is it. This is it. Monologue. This is Everyone the most depressing up. shit ever.
Betriebsarm. Oh my god. Ugh. We're literally watching a man die on screen. And like I remember like the hottest chick that he ever could remember right now. This is like the most depressing shit I've ever seen. Oh. And over. Ugh. Here's the thing. How I want to be a man. Oh, regret. When he wants to yell, regret. It's just, it's a wrap. I'm done. I'm gonna be on the ground crying. When he yells, regret. I'm just gonna like, I'm just gonna shut the computer down. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. This is it. This is it. <laughs> oh god. PT Anderson's a goddamn genius for the scene. Like he's a genius, but this is also the worst. Talking to the microphone. I'm talking to the microphone. Don't worry. This scene is like unbelievably depressing. He fake lights it. It's not even really lit. I'm already close, and I'm just sitting in the bag. Oh. 
Ah. Uh, this is such bullshit. <sighs> It was too too concentrated of agony for them to just keep going. They had to do this. Oh God! Basically, this is the same scene. Oh, God damn regret! Here we go. Regret. The scene is. Too brutal. Oh, God. And we got more time to go. He's only 65? Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, Muller Walter's boobies are so fucking nice. Oh, here we go. Oh, here we go. Here it is. Oh, God. This is it. This is it. This is the, this is the diatribe against YOLO culture. This is it. This is the most depressing monologue in any movie I can remember. Use it. Our food's here, by the way. Hello? All right, I'll be right down. Bye. Who's going down for the food? Somebody's got to go down for the food. You can, you can buzz them up. You can buzz them up. Uh, all I know is I don't want to walk away for this. Uh, how far can this mic wire go? No, I can't. I can't walk away. I got to watch this. Go, go buzz the guy in. I got to watch this. Uh. God damn it. Uh. Uh. Oh, this movie. Oh. oh, this movie is the worst. Uh, he's going to keep going. He's not going to give up. No, nah, he's going to stick it out. Earl Partridge.
This is just a lot to deal with. It's literally just like an old guy getting like given like painkillers like on the doorstep of death. Like this is just like way too much to deal with right now. Oh, we're getting it. We're getting it. We're getting the goddamn Amy Man song right now. Jesus, the song. And Melora Walters just blowing a line. Mamie Man just singing like fucking depressing song. Jesus, this fucking movie. Ugh. stand it. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So we're here right now. We're we're at the moment. This movie. <laughs> we're here. Like, uh, unfortunately, the Mexican food happened at the, literally the least good time. Where it was like, it's like this is the climatic, emotional precipice of this movie. Got to wise up, man. God, we're all having, like, emotional breakdowns. Like, it's so funny because this movie is, like, you know. This movie is so overtly dramatic with the drama of the everyday life. But, like, man, I feel, <laughs> I feel, like, I feel like these fucking people... Every single fucking day. Like, I'll be on the subway and, like, I feel like I'm in Magnolia and, like, I'm watching an old man die. She's gonna wise up. I mean, he literally just made a music video in the middle of his movie. And, like, that was that was okay in 1999. That's not going to happen in 2016. What's up? So here's the thing. So like literally Paul Thomas Anderson made a music video for, for a, an Amy Man song in the middle of his movie. His movie became an Amy Man song more than yeah. anything. Like it's like not even like it was just a music video for her song. It was like her his movie became this song. All right, whatever you got. <laughs> oh god, this is really. Oh god, <laughs> get it off my, get it off my couch. Yeah, man. <laughs> here, it's all right. It's inside the bag. What happened here? Jesus. 
Oh, he's gonna drop Kiros. Fucking dog. Well. This thing right here is like shot. Yeah. You got a. It's just that this bag right here is shot. All right. Why is you? You got utensils? Got any utensils over there? When? At some point. Damn. Fuck. Uh, well, whatever. Well, this movie's three hours long, so. Yeah. So, we're Even fine. Even if we stop recording, like, I don't feel that bad. Yeah, we're fine. Because this movie goes on forever. Yeah, we're fine. Sad old Jimmy Gator. Jimmy Gator's dying. Woman, that woman has to be uncredited. Because she's playing the wife of a child molester who is basically a disgusting character. Yeah, and it was like a small role. I don't blame her.
Say something for the love of God. I can't believe they're actually out on a date. Yeah, I mean, he basically busted her for Happy Good Music super loud and being completely coked up out of her mind. And now they're on a date. And they're now dating, yeah. I don't really get that, but, I mean, I don't really get California. We'll see where that goes. Yeah, I mean, they're not going to be literally like a long-standing relationship probably. All I know is, in real life, the John C. Riley character would never go on for this long with this lady. Because she's, like, clearly a fucking coke fiend. And he would, like, figure out pretty quickly that she's, like, only... Cops love coke. Cops don't love coke. Like, this cop definitely doesn't love coke. Like, there's no way this dude would be like, yeah, 100% want to date a lady that loves cocaine as much as Melora Walters' character. This is William H. Macy, right? Like, he's, like, showing up at some, like, random place. Yeah, and uh, William H. Macy's character, uh, every single time he's in car, the same exact song plays. I even forget that William H. Macy was, like, doing all this in this movie. Oh, Solomon and Solomon. That's, like, his, like, boss... He'll drop get the fucking dogs. (laughs) 
Is that your favorite line from this entire By movie? far, my favorite line is him saying, I will drop, drop kick, kick the, the fucking, fucking dogs. It is because it's perfect. It's like the perfect, like, cruise-ism for this kind of movie. I will, I will drop kick the fucking dogs. <laughs> and he's meeting his dad, who he fucking hates his guts. That's his one way to get payback. <laughs> you don't look that bad. He hasn't even made his final, like, yelling moment. Yeah, like, he hasn't won the Oscar yet. Both of them. Neither of them have won it yet. This is such a bummer. I love it. This is like one long take. There's like this old man that's just laying there and Tom Cruise is just screaming in his face. This is it. This is like Tom Cruise. This is... The last time the Academy acknowledged that Tom Cruise was a was good a act- actor. Yeah. Was a good actor. Right here, we're watching it. Oh. Oh, there. Here it is. Right oh, here. here it comes. Right here. Man, he's really a good fucking actor. He's really going for it right here. Also, by the way, spoiler, this is based on Paul Thomas Anderson's own... Um, Problems with his dad? Yeah. Uh, while his dad was dying of cancer. Wait, so what am I... Mi- like, why does Tom Cruise hate his dad so much? Uh, he never really, like, paid attention to him. He was, like, always, like, a TV producer... But, like, had a bunch of hit shows and didn't feel like he needed to hang out with his dad. His kid, I'm sorry. His, his kid. kids. He basically just ignored his son for, like, most of his life. Okay. I mean, what the fuck ever, but... Oh, boy. Oh, she died? No. She's all right. She almost OD'd. But she comes back. This motherfucker with this motherfucker with the gun. Yo, those are frogs are about to fall down like right now. Pretty much. As soon as they drive her away from the scene, the frogs fall. So this is really weird because it's like a very anticlimactic thing where it's yep. like it's kind of a letdown that this is what they chose to do. But it was like it was like if you it was like nineteen ninety two thousand. We were like we were like, dude, this three hour long movie, 
frogs rain from the sky. It still kind of sucks, though. Like, I mean, it doesn't really make sense. Like, I don't know why he chose to do this. And did you know he did not even know that that it happened in the Bible? I find that hard to believe. No, he didn't know. It was. He, he says he doesn't know. Really? Yeah, no, he said he didn't know, and it was based on someone else's writing who was like referencing the Bible. That's bullshit. But once he found out, he was like, "Dude, that's awesome!" And he put in more references to the Bible. I find that hard to believe. I I don't buy it. Like I don't buy it. He must have known that there was like, like a- you don't like like you have no idea of Exodus. No. Yeah, he knew. Jimmy, you say that you molested our daughter. That's why she's so fucking crazy. She got molested. That's the reason why she's so crazy. Is that really like the whole thing with this movie? Yes, she was molested. That was the whole thing. By Jimmy Gator. Yep. Wow. Fuck, that sucks. She got molested. I lost my gun tonight. (laughs) I lost my gun. It was horrible and it was really funny. There you go. He lost his fucking gun. God, I love that John C. Riley. He's perfect. He strikes the perfect balance. Mm-hmm. I love the idea of like the weird thing where it's like it's like a weird. It seems like inconsequential, but like it's probably like a huge deal where it's like he lost his. Gun. Oh yeah. She's gonna really connect with him. God, I'm so into it right now. Like, here's here's where literally the rubber meets the road. Yeah. John C. Reilly is putting down, like... He's putting down his hardest action yep. chops he can get. There's so much crazy shit still to happen in this movie, too, which is even... <laughs> no, there's one crazy shit that's going to happen. Right, but still, like... It's still pretty crazy. Like, it's so weird. The the, the amount of crazy things that happen in... Oh, oh, beautiful. Say it. I molested our daughter. I touched... I touched her. Wait, so she say he's saying it didn't happen? He thinks not. But really it did happen. Wait, did it or did it not? 
it 100% happened. Like... Ooh, weird. You definitely molested her. Ooh, weird. Philip Baker 100% molested Melora Walters. That's what this whole movie's about. I don't know. The older woman wife who, of wife of Jimmy Gator. She really owns this scene. She owns it. He's so just old and fragile. Oh my god, this, this movie is so brutal. Oh god, this movie is <laughs> completely brutal. Yep. Because he molested his own daughter. So she's completely insane. Oh boy. Oh my god. Oh my Tom, god. Tom Cruise, this is Tom Cruise acting the fucking shit out of his ass. Like this is Tom Cruise doing doing what he should do in every goddamn movie because he's a hell of an actor and he's highly underrated and like look at him go right now. Look at him go acting. But like he's just like hanging off the side of a plane. God, look at him go right now. This is the most depressing Tom Cruise right here. Like, literally, <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman, who's He's crying. He's legitimately fan. crying. Like, Philip Seymour Hoffman's like, dude, I'm dying watching you right now. Look at Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise is killing it right now. This might be one of the most important moments in the Tom and Terry podcast is Tom Cruise Crying his eyes out, watching his dying father die. He's synthesizing the aura. This is of brutal, Anderson. And this is brutal. And he's like, "All I want is for you to like fucking love me. Like all all Tom Cruise wants is for the world to th- say it's okay. Yeah, you're cool, dude. Super brutal." Like, all he does is just, like, a fucking soft shoe all the goddamn day. Man, he's a good fucking actor. This movie particularly is, like, so brutal for him and his dad. Well, it's not even, like, Tom Cruise. I don't even know what the deal is with Tom Cruise's dad, but that was, like... That <laughs> no, was, like, the fictional dad. Like, I mean, him and Jason Robards. Like, it's, that like was, brutal. Well, no, that was Paul Thomas Anderson directing Tom Cruise to be himself. Yep. And Jason Robards was to be his father. And he just, like, made that happen. And Tom Cruise perfectly synthesized that. Yeah. And now we're going to come to the big thing. Where Jimmy Gator's wife driving one way. I don't know is what he says. I don't know what I did. He doesn't even remember molesting his daughter. He's still acting though? Philip Hall, yeah. He's still around. 
I mean, hell, man, he was fucking hilarious on Seinfeld. I know he was like librarian, the like yeah. librarian postmaster, the librarian detective. I'm pretty sure he's still around. Yeah. I mean, his career has been defined by his role, defined by his roles by uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, without a doubt. He's not in another P.T. Anderson movie coming out anytime soon, but he's in two other projects coming out in the future. We're good for him. Trying to load up a gun? Yeah. Those old man hands. You don't remember this? Oh, this scene is brutal, too. What is Paul Thomas Anderson up to right now? That's what I want to know. Well, I mean, a lot of people say his magnum opus would be uh, There Will Be Blood. But no. I say it's this. This uh, no. Well, I, 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 Boogie Nights was his magnum opus. No, no way. No, this, like, magnum opus might be his most critically acclaimed. But I would say, like, in terms of like the definition of a magnum opus, it's <laughs> There'll this. Be Blood was the most a three, recent. A three-hour-long movie about how how interesting the San Fernando <sighs> Valley is. There'll be blood, probably then. There, yeah. No. Well, There'll Be Blood was Magnolia. basically. I mean, yeah, this movie, but like. There Will Be Blood was this movie, but with, like, a more compelling, more historical, like, narrative, even. Dude, dude, Magnolia. Oh. This is such a singular work. Maybe. This is it. This is it. This is his magnum opus. And he he says it as well. Like, he he was like, he was like, when I die, like, (sighs) I'll probably be remembered for this movie. Oh. There it is. Uh, Here we go, guys. Here we go, guys. There it is. This is what you've waited literally Uh, three hours for. What the fuck? Elephant in the room or the thousand frogs in the room. Andrew, how do you feel about this ending? I think it's super dumb, and the movie would have been way better without... Frogs Get falling the from the fuck sky. out of here. You're lying, and you absolutely love it, and I know for a fact you love it, and you find it... I just wish that he could have just finished the movie without frogs falling from the sky. Because frogs falling from the sky... That's the whole thing about this movie. I know, and it's just a, a damn shame. Like, really, though, just like... Frogs falling from the sky, a totally real thing that could happen... But like, why does it need to happen in Magnolia? Because like, I, I think I think it's a fantastic break from reality. <laughs> like we've we've watched the crushing right, the worst parts of reality. We've watched the for three hours, and then it's just like boom, it happens, and it's like reality doesn't exist. The same people you've watched experience the worst parts right. of reality. I get the why. I just don't get the how or the, like, just why. Why the bigger why? The bigger why than like why it happens in the movie. Like, why do we need this? Yeah, I don't. I don't get it. Uh, I great, and I find, and, and it's like very defining and iconic. Like, dude, like it is what defines this movie. Yes, definitely. But <laughs> this movie would be great without a bunch of frogs falling from the sky. <laughs> Sure, without a doubt, but. And by the all way, all the dogs. All, by the way, all the frogs were either fake or CGI. Oh, yeah. 
I love I love that it's like Philip Seymour Hoffman that like just explaining it for the reader. <laughs> just like literally says How it. are there frogs? Thank you, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh. Oh, great shot. Jimmy Gator's wife just horrified. Oh, here we go. Oh my god, dude, the ambulance Moore. Shot. the ambulance shot. Oh, the scene the is, so shot is so amazing. Oh, it's gonna fall over. Oh. This is it. Oh my god. There it is. That's what made that's what made the money right there. Oh my god. What a like uh the Jimmy Gator. Jimmy Gator, here we go guys. Here we go. Uh, I wanna blow my brains out. I hate my life. And the frog's gonna save it. It's a CGI frog, bro. CGI way. frog. By the way, it's like- Boom. Didn't die. Managed to not kill myself because of a fucking frog. So fucking crazy. Oh, no. Man, this movie is fucking good. Like, I hate that you... I'm really bummed that you don't like this ending. No, I don't. I honestly think this movie would be great without all this bullshit. Well, yeah, obviously. Like, we've been watching it for fucking three hours. That's what I'm saying. Like, why even go down this road? Because I think I think I think this like weird bombast of it. Ah, oh, ooh, that's oh. really gross and really great. Like I think it's just like, like honestly, I think the movie works well with this. It's oh just, no, totally! Like, like you're 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 not saying it, it diminishes the movie at all, right? No. I just think the movie would still be good without all this nonsense of millions of frogs pouring yes, from the sky. Yes, exactly. But I think it I, I I think it elevates the movie. Without a doubt, elevates the movie. And and it ties into the thing like we were watching. It did happen. It's a thing that happens. Yes, I get all that. And like you know, like us watching things, like like the dude who got like fucking shot with a shotgun. Oh yeah, little Stanley knows that this kind of thing happens occasionally. It happens, man. And like it's so funny where it's like uh, I mean the idea that uh, well we drank a lot of that bourbon, huh? Oh sure. <laughs> oh sure. <laughs> oh my god, that's a lot of it. That's the most of it. Gone. But uh, I mean, it's oh, here we go. Regret. Here, here comes Tom Cruise, getting drowned by frogs. Jason Robards, fucking, he's like his last, his last life's work is screaming into Tom Cruise's fucking face. My God, this movie's depressing. That goddamn regret of it all. (laughs) 
There it is. Done. There it is. Beautiful. My God, this movie's a fucking bummer. Oh, and he's dead. And actually, he died in real life. Oh, my God. It doesn't really all line line up that well, Paul Thomas Anderson. It's it's closer to honestly like a Wes Anderson movie. Yeah, which by the way, like like I've been talking about for three hours. I've been talking about like why was this era? Like also, I totally completely didn't talk about the fact that like Ball Rocket and Rushmore (laughs) happened during this time. Yeah, the dog died because it ate too many painkillers. Yo, man, where are your muscle relaxers at? <laughs> Yo, I'll give you some. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, this commentary pays itself off. It's a little dog gurney. Yeah, this like honestly, like all of these like weird coincidence things are very much closer to a Wes Anderson movie than a Paul Thomas Anderson movie. One hundred percent. Even Frank T.J. Mackey right here waking up and like taking a phone call. He's just like, nah, man, I don't yeah. want to do this. Yeah, it, it, it's closer to like a, it's like Royal Tenenbaums. It's yeah, closer to uh, Royal, uh, Royal uh, Tenenbaums yeah. than like a Paul Thomas. But I, I mean, the the thing that about this movie that's most like Paul Thomas Anderson is the crushing sadness of life. Oh yeah. <sighs> oh god. This is- uh. God damn you, motherfucker! Such like, a God bummer. damn you, Philip Seymour Hoffman! You are such a good actor. It's like I literally saw you cry, and I wanted to fucking kill myself. Him and Tom Cruise both make you want to kill yourself in this movie. Oh, they're beautiful. They're beautiful actors. One of them is still alive, luckily. Two of two of the three actors currently on screen are still alive. <gasps> oh. uh, thank, thank God for your penis. Jillian uh, uh, <laughs> Moore is still alive. I'm not going to comment on that, but theoretically, it's still true. <laughs> She's still just as hot as she was in 1999. Yeah, relax, buddy. <laughs> Fucking relax. Uh, if, her, if her husband saw that, he would be so bummed. But regardless, she's such a baby. The, long, the long and the short of it is, Andrew Lee, all he wants to do is have sex with Julianne Moore in a weird, disgusting way. <sighs> not weird and disgusting at all. All I know is if I ever get famous... Would you let her peg you? If I ever get famous... Would you let her peg you? I don't know what that means, but it if means I get... It like she puts on a dildo and fucks you in the butt. N- uh, no, 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 because I'm not into that. Regardless, if I ever get famous and if there's but a chance... She would be jerking you off while she did it. No, if there's a chance that she no? would... Be, no, no, what? No, if there's a chance that she could be the lead actress in something that... I ever wrote. I would 100 million percent be behind it. Let her peg you. I don't. No. No. God. God. Uh. 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 
I love that he's talking to John C. Riley, <laughs> who would probably be like the best person to talk oh, to. Oh, the about gun! Them. The gun fell back. The gun. John C. Riley didn't lose that gun, motherfucker. Oh, this movie is the the fucking worst. I love the idea that like uh, like William H Macy's character was like talking to John C. Riley because like I feel like John C. Riley would be like the best guy to talk to, like because he'd be like the most understanding. He'd be like, dude, I totally get it. So he's just putting all the money back right yep. now. Yeah. Yep. He's not taking any of that money. <laughs> Corrective oral surgery. He really needs it. He broke like all of his teeth. Look at the amount of frogs that are on the ground. They're all fake frogs. Like they're uh, no frogs. Oh, it's plastic. No frogs were harmed during the filming of this. No, no, definitely not. It, it is incredible that we drank the entirety of that bottle of whiskey. By the <laughs> we way, we didn't drink the entire. I mean, like we drank like nine tenths of it. Like there's not that much of it left. Well, hey, man, you you got plenty of veracity. Is nine tenths of the law? Uh, oh my god. It's such a bummer that I have to go to work tomorrow. I'd rather watch this movie. Hey, man, we all got to go to work. I'd rather watch this movie again. <laughs> and listen to one is the loneliest number. Listen to one is the loneliest number and just watch this fucking watch movie a, again. Listen to Wise Up. Wise Up. Wise uh, no, 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 no. Wise Up is too though. depressing. One is the loneliest number is a way better song. All right. So we're coming to the end here. So this like, is it, uh, man. We're going to have to wrap it up at this moment. So. So the main thing is like, how do you feel about Magnolia? Like we, I think it's been pretty well established that like Magnolia, one of your favorite movies. Yes, definitely, it yeah. is. And Tom Cruise's performance, a great performance for a odious character that will never get recreated. Like I don't think any movie will recreate his character because he's such the like men's rights misandrist character. That, like, no other movie could do him justice in the modern right. era. So, like, kind of, like, what is your last thing you want to say on Tom Cruise? In this movie? Yeah. In, he, in relation to this movie. He performed perfectly the character that's, like, the macho, late 90s Californian bro that wants to fuck every woman that he comes across. That is secretly extremely vulnerable extremely weak and extremely like a product of his dad's generation that doesn't really know why he feels this way but feels like he needs to try to fuck everyone it's like it's like paul thomas anderson needed to create a character that was dirk diggler but dirk diggler realizing that he could not live like dirk diggler for more than like the 70s like it's like the perfect character for the paul thomas anderson progression from the 70s in boogie nights to like the 90s in modern america so i think tom cruise 
perfectly encapsulated that, and Magnolia was like the vehicle that perfectly translated from Boogie Nights to the modern late 90s, early 2000s of like people wanted to live that lifestyle, but ultimately knew that they had to like complete their lives in a more normal way. She's going to smile at the end. It's going to be the whole fucking and then, movie. And that's it. That's it. That's the movie. That's the way the that's movie ends. That's the long and the short of it. Huh? She desi- She buys into John C. Reilly's like, pitch of being normal and gives up, theoretically gives up being a coke fiend like rich kid. So we're watching the Magnus, magnum opus. Like, yeah. This is the end right here. It's here it save comes. Me, save me is playing. Like this is the '90s magnum. Like this is the end of the '90s right here. For yeah, like, this is this the is end. Of yeah, the that's, 90s. It. that's it. That's it. That's it. Right there. Boom. Yeah. Boom. Done. Yeah. Written and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. And the '90s are over. A goddamn genius. Yes. I'll t- yeah. So it's like that's the end of the '90s. Is Melora Walter smiling? After she Paul was, Thomas uh, Anderson is directing. Yeah. Fucking Amy Mann's on the soundtrack. Yep. That is the end of the '90s. Boom, right there. That's it. That's the '90s are yep. done. It's 2001. Fucking 9/11 happens. I'm like, <laughs> yep. that's it. Uh-huh. Like, I think I think that is the great thing about Magnolia, where it ends so like weird and hopeful about the future. Doesn't actually come true. No, nope. <laughs> it's like the future is actually horrible. Horrible. Yeah, it's like it's like the dream of the '90s is dead. It's not alive in Portland. It's, it's not, dead. It's not, it's not songs by Amy Mann. It's not Paul Thomas Anderson and all, and all his beautiful L.A. friends who get to make a movie for $30 million. Nope. They're all dead. Nope. It's like we all died. Fucking there's Falling Man. Like that shit happens. Oh, bro. You got to bring up Falling Man right now? Jesus, you're making me really want to not go to work tomorrow. My it's God. Actually, it's actually really sad because I ran into the other day. And I told because I, like I ran into I told Danielle because like her dad shot Falling Man. Oh, I didn't know that. That's really a bummer. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Oh, Philip Baker Hall as Jimmy Gator was so damn good. There's yeah. only three named actors in this movie that they were all fucking amazing. Yeah, Wait, Dad did the Falling Man shot. He, he shot Falling Man. Oh. Yeah. Richard. His name's Richard Drew. Such a bummer. I mean, Falling Man is like one of the more depressing photos, like of our modern well, it, era. it's it like I think this movie is like a perfect example of the optimism of the '90s. Like this movie ends on a very optimistic note, where it's like yeah, literally it does. the one main character whose life is horrible. But she thinks she's gonna make it all turn around. Well, it's she... like the one main character whose life is horrible. She Ugh. turns and looks. She literally looks at us and smiles, like it's gonna be okay. No, Guess what? Really no, it's no, not. No, it's not. Uh, <laughs> like, we lived through it. Jesus, that is depressing. All right, so, movie's over. I didn't realize the dead was, like, so close to <laughs> We don't need to talk about this at the it's end. It's a real bummer. I shouldn't have brought it up. But, uh, so you got a couple minutes left. Yeah. So... How was your commentary? I'll be honest, it was a really weird one. It was probably a weird one because just because the movie's weird, but ultimately, I feel like I got my point across. This movie to me is the West Coast Scorsese opus uh, that should be more, I would say, respected than it actually is. 
just because it became it came out after Boogie Nights, and it doesn't have the same like novelty element as like the first Paul Thomas Anderson movie that like really broke through, right? But it's still a great fucking movie. Like it's still the kind of movie that nobody has made since then. Like since 1999, there's been no movie made like this. And I still believe that... Honestly, I think it's never going to be made again. No, because, like, there's only really one director like this, and that's a guy that deserves to be... A studio studio never again is going to make a movie where it's like, oh, yeah, it's a bunch (laughs) of, like, uh, fucking stupid white people are going to talk for three hours. And then then the last 20 minutes, a bunch of frogs are going to fall from the sky. Like, that's never going to happen. No, no, it's not. And, and honestly, it probably shouldn't. It shouldn't. <laughs> but ultimately, like, I still think the movie was good, no matter what your complaints are with the like ending. I mean, it's wild. Stuff. It's wild, profound. It's more creative than many movies that get made today Which try to be. A thousand percent. And I also think that the Tom Cruise element, like. Giving Tom Cruise this particular role is way more ambitious than most movies try to be with, like, high-profile actors and with Tom Cruise in particular. So. <laughs> you just you just did a hand motion like like what you just said was getting emailed directly to Tom, to Tom Cruise. You're yeah. Like, yeah. You're, you're like, hey, man. Like, <laughs> like, dude. Listen, tell Tom that I think this movie was... Way out of his comfort zone, and he deserves unending amounts of credit for doing it. I absolutely love the fact that you said it, but I love the fact that you're like, hey, man. All credit to Mr. Cruz. I'm I'm trying to be diplomatic here. Listen. I don't know. I can't think of another Tom Cruise movie that was like this one, like at all, like ever. No, they don't exist, man. This is it. This is the weirdest Tom Cruise movie that ever got made. All right, Andrew. So uh, we're coming to the end here. Yeah, this is it. This is the last of the credits. This is it, bud. So is there anything you want to say? Like, dude, you finally did a Tom and Jerry. Like, you finally did a Tom and Jerry. You were one of the first. I will say that this is. You've done. By by far the longest. Like, when you started doing this, the sun was out. I know, yeah. It was like a nice. It was a nice evening. Ultimately, this is one of the best Tom Cruise movies that he's been in in the last 20 years. Other than Eyes Wide Shut, this is probably the best movie that he's been in. Debatable, but fine. Eyes Wide Shut was a great movie, but this was a great movie without it being like a exploitation like Stanley Kubrick weird movie right ultimately this movie captures the power of storytelling where Tom Cruise is just like a contributing feature and like the the real storytellers are John Bryan and Fiona Apple and Amy Mann and all those people so but they just, made Tom Cruise immediately went to all the people who contributed songs and not Paul Thomas Anderson. Well, Paul or, Thomas or Anderson, the cinematographer, te- technically Paul Thomas, or, or all the other listen, actors. Paul Thomas Anderson put them in the position to make a impactful story, and I honestly all think right, so. It's about to stop. I honestly think that this movie would not be as good without 
the effect of all the women that were involved, which are Melora Walters, Fiona Apple, Julianne Moore, Melora, uh, yeah, Julianne Moore, Fiona Apple. I already said Fiona Apple. All of them, all the women, the women make Magnolia. All right. And Tom Cruise was that's, that's how you're ending it. Right. Tom Cruise was really one of the best male actors that matched all the, the women. Women perspective. He was like